a big game in the ACC in the Coastal Division. The Cavaliers of Virginia on the road to take on Manny Diaz and his Miami Hurricanes, Kosi Perry. Gets his first start of the year. He started six games last year, so it's not like he doesn't have experience and he does have talent. A lot of things you can be thinking about right now with this game. A lot of jobs, a lot of things you got to do. Think about one thing. First five minutes, how hard can I play? First five minutes, how relentless can I be? First five minutes, how hard can I attack? And here's the great thing of your conference. You are in such good condition. You have the pace to make that last for all 60. So don't wait. Don't pace yourself. The first thing we do is attack. away from Paradise. Right side to Pope. Breaks one tackle. Here comes Pope. Tackled out of bounds on the near sideline by Joey Blount. Here's a big hole. DJ Dallas to the 15 to the 10. Down the five-yard line. Looks. Looks. He's going to run. Perry. Three, two, one. Got it. One, touchdown. It's a 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 touchdown
the offense and the defense and the kicking game, how we all got each other's backs when no one else did. Stadium was a jungle again, Friday night, Canes fans. It was a great three hours for the U. And what a difference a week makes. The Canes played their best game of the season in week six, willing their way past the Virginia Cavaliers to re-enter the Coastal Division race, if you dare pay attention. Six games left. We'll see where it takes us. But it was a good victory. Virginia's not a great team. But they're a very tough physical team that is a very difficult out. So Manny Diaz circled the wagons. He increased his involvement on the defensive side of the ball. And suddenly his defense looked like his defense again. They were aggressive. They were relentless. Just as he asked. He did it without upstaging Blake Baker, a quality young defensive coordinator that for whatever reason was not as connected at the hip with the defensive players the way Diaz has been for four seasons now. We could talk tonight about how and why it really took six football games for that to come to the forefront. But it did, and it sure looked different. Relentless attacking defense is what landed Manny Diaz in the head coach's office in the first place. So it was a welcome sight to see the Canes playing that kind of game once again. And now we have to wait and see if they can bottle it. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com. And I welcome you once again to Canesport Live, presented again this year by Sicilian Oven Restaurants, with six locations throughout the South Florida area. At Sicilian Oven, you will not only love the taste, you will taste the love. As always, this is your show, and it's going to be driven by your participation. The call-in number, as always, is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. We have over 100 open phone lines, as always. Plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. If you're driving around and you, you can't listen on your computer, feel free to dial the number and listen to the show. Just don't hit the number one on your keypad unless you want to come on the show, at which point you get put into the queue. We bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. And I don't think I need to tell you guys who's sitting there in the number one hole for this evening. He's owning it once again. So we once again ask subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show, and we'll address them tonight during the course of the show. All right, so if I told you last week when we met for Canesport Live that Miami would have just 265 yards of total offense at home against Virginia, you probably would have been in an all-out panic and assumed that your beloved Canes were about to drop the two and four. You probably would have figured that they would have had to shut down the athletic department 
if that was the ramifications of a relatively pedestrian offensive day at Hard Rock Stadium. But Virginia lured the Canes into a slugfest and were probably surprised that Miami was up to the task, quite frankly. And here's why it played out that way. For starters, Gregory Rousseau was finally inserted into the starting lineup. Now, if you talk to anybody in football, NFL scouts, personnel people, they will tell you that Russo is Miami's most elite football player, and I'm not sure that there's a close second. They're already slotting Greg Russo potentially into the top 10 of the 2021 NFL draft. So one of the things that I think Manny is going to have to reflect upon when he looks back on the season is why did the he wait till game six to get Greg Rousseau in the starting lineup. John Garvin's been having just a so-so year. In fact, the NFL people are trying to figure out, you know, why he's not doing better because there was conjecture that he might try to go out this year. So they've been paying a lot of attention. Scott Patchen certainly hasn't done anything to lose the job, but it's certainly nowhere near the potential elite status of Rousseau. Trayvon Hill is capturing some imaginations in the pro ranks. Certainly looks the part, but won't be a high first round pick probably like Rousseau. So why did it take so long to get Rousseau out there more often so that he can impact the football game? And he did. He impacted it significantly. Against Florida, Russo played 14 snaps. He only played 12 snaps in the loss at North Carolina. Then he went 33 snaps against Central Michigan. And his workload was then reduced to 22 snaps against Virginia Tech in that loss. 22 snaps. Friday night against Virginia, the coaches let him play 54 snaps. And I don't think it was a small coincidence that things came together much better for the Hurricanes with Russo out on the field. So in fairness to the coaches, the other guys at defensive end are pretty good. It is by far Miami's strongest and deepest position. But Russo made the defense better. And John Ford also played better on the interior of the line. And having Nesta Silvera back didn't hurt either. So Miami held up much better at the line of scrimmage in this game than it probably had all year. And the secondary, which got a lot of attention from Manny Diaz, also played markedly better. So Virginia really struggled to get the ball into the end zone. They moved the ball at times on the middle of the field, but had a difficult time scoring touchdowns. So it's going to be real interesting to see if Diaz and Blake Baker and the defensive players alongside them can maintain that standard of play the remainder of the season. If they can, Miami can contend for the Coastal Division Championship just like we expected them to at the beginning of the season. And wouldn't it be something if they peeled off a bunch of victories here? I mean, I know people are sitting there saying it's a pipe dream, but if they play defense the way they played Friday night, it's not a pipe dream. They can win any, any game they play. But 
they also obviously can lose just about any game they play. Louisville is looking far more threatening with their offense than we would have suspected they would be at the beginning of the year. At Pitt is not going to be an easy out for sure. At Florida State will certainly not be. And at Duke is not going to be an easy out in the last game of the year. So is this going to be a six-win season, a seven-win season, an eight-win season, or a nine-win season? That's the intrigue that we'll be living under here over the next six weeks or so. Meanwhile, we have so much to discuss tonight on the offensive side of the ball. The quarterback debate rages on, with Diaz continuing to say that Jaron Williams remains his starter, while so many members of the fan base continue to be romanced by the thought of Nikozi Perry in that role. I'm not picking sides. I know sometimes it seems that, that I am, but I'm not. You know, I, I, I see the pluses and minuses of both. But I will point out this, okay? Miami averaged just 5.1 yards per play against Virginia. That is not great, okay? The Canes also ran just 52 plays in the game, which is also not very good. To give you a frame of reference, LSU averaged 10.5 yards a play Saturday against a darn good Florida defense. That's more than double what Miami averaged against Virginia. Louisville averaged 7.5 yards a play while putting up 62 points at Wake Forest. And in that game, Wake Forest averaged 6.5 yards a play in the losing effort while running an astonishing 102 plays against the Louisville defense. And they didn't win. I mean, that is unbelievable. 102 plays. That's double the number Miami ran against Virginia. So Miami's not getting it done yet on the offensive side of the ball. And obviously poor offensive line play has a lot to do with that. So does quarterback play. Now Perry missed a few deep shots Friday that would have made the stats look a little better without question. Halfway through the season, the Canes continue to struggle to hit big plays down the football field, and that will obviously continue to get a big focus in practice. So Williams was back out there throwing today, and there's certainly no guarantee that he's going to start on Saturday. And I don't know if Manny Diaz will announce what he's doing tomorrow like he did last week or whether he takes it all the way up to game day. Um, But it was good to see him back out on the field. And we'll talk more during the show about this starting issue and who should be the starter and who shouldn't. Um, But right now I want to get out to your calls. The number 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. I uh, hope to hear from a bunch of you guys tonight. Let's keep it moving, but let's begin in the 845 where our buddy Greg is waiting. Greg, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Good, guy. How are you? Doing very well. Um, doing very well. Okay. Let's start out by saying the ACC is horrendous. One team in the top 25 
It's a joke, the ACC. And you realize if we converted that fourth and 17 play on defense, we'd hold our destiny in our own hands. We'd be in first place in the Coastal right now. Yep. The ACC is a joke. Anyway, you just mentioned why it took six games for Rousseau to start. Why did it take six games for Baxter to be on the bench? If this well, kid is kicking, maybe that was a little easier to explain, Greg. Yeah, that one's easier to explain. He's your scholarship kicker, and he's the guy you're counting on. And he would have kicked. He would have kicked on Friday if it weren't for just his horrendous warm-up session. I was standing there watching it. I've never seen a kicker have a worse warm-up session. He probably took about 10, 12 kicks, and he missed, I think, about half of them. He was planking them off the post. He, he was pulling them left, pushing them right. Uh, I mean, he's just clearly just lost all his confidence. So they probably felt they didn't have a choice. Okay. Did you see what Dabo Sweeney did to his kicker the other day when they were up no. 28 nothing? He chewed him out in front of the whole team. Why would he do? He missed the field goal at the end of the half. Did he? He went ballistic on him. Huh. Okay. Let's start. Let's, let's get to this now. We're down in the red zone. We run a tight end reverse to the short side of the field. Is this what we're paying $1.4 million for? Why, well, why? I, think, I think it's $1.5. Oh, sorry, one point. But, okay. I but, but I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not huge on, on criticizing individual calls like that because obviously he's calling it hoping it's going to work, and if it does work, we don't say a word. So, like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it was like, did you see Everyone, the Dolphins? Did you watch the Dolphins? Are you a Dolphins fan, Greg? No, I, I, I'm a Giants fan. The did you Dolphins see the are, Did you see the two point conversion play in the Dolphin game? Yes, in, I, on, did. On? I did. See okay. That. Yeah. I mean, you'd be saying the same thing as if you were a Dolphin fan. I mean, uh, I they agree. they ran they ran a, a running back quick pass with the running back running into where all the defenders were. Now I saw yeah. that and I was totally convinced that they lost the game on purpose. Like, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't know if Drake dropped it on purpose or whether they were push, pushing him into the defense on purpose or what. But, I mean, you would say the same thing about that call. I would have. I agree. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know. Everybody and their mother is scoring points in bunches, and we put 17 on the board. By the way, did you watch the LSU game the other night? Did you see did Dan Mullen getting his receivers wide open against LSU? I, I thought Dan Mullen coached his rear end off in that game and still lost by 14. It was unbelievable. That's how good LSU was. He's out, man. Yeah, it, it, LSU, LSU was so good in that game. Yeah, they were great. But now all of a sudden, Ed Orgeron hired this whiz kid, and he looks like a genius all of a sudden. Yep. It's, it's, it's frustrating. Okay, my last point. Why are we even talking to this kid, Francois, after he decommits twice? He's making a mockery of the coaching staff. I tell him to go pound salt. We don't want I, you. 
I would too. You got to be kidding with this guy. And this guy Hodges. Who, who is this guy Hodges to be decommitting? Tell him to go take a walk. What's with this guy Harold? Are we, we going to get him maybe? I think there's a decent shot, yeah. He's coming in the other direction. He's the, he, he's saying goodbye to Florida State. <laughs> yeah, okay. But not twice. No. Nope. Have you ever heard of a kid decommit twice and, and I, commit again? Greg, I can't even begin to explain what has happened to South Florida recruiting for the University of Miami. I, I don't recognize what I'm seeing anymore. It's I, it, I, you know, I've been here 40. I've never, I mean, I, it, it was, it was not like this back before Schnellenberger came. It certainly wasn't like this when Schnellenberger was here and uh, onward from there. I mean, I, I don't recognize what's going on. It's like these kids from South Florida do not have a burning desire right now to come play for the University of Miami. And I don't know if you blame the coaching staff. You know, I don't know if you blame strictly extracurricular activities going on in college football. You know, I think it's more than that. I, I think that's just blaming it on that as a cop-out. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't recognize what's going on. It, it's, it's, it's absolute insanity. And uh, until it gets straightened out, I mean, I don't, I just don't think this is sustainable like this. I don't, I don't think Manny Diaz can overcome losing all of the talent from South Florida that they're losing and continue, you know, been losing and continue to lose. We don't have a legitimate recruiter on the staff that can close a deal. You're going to tell me a kid comes into, Manny Diaz comes into his living room and he's going to be impressed compared to Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney or Kirby Smart or Ed Orgeron. Come on. It's not happening. Well, I'll tell you this. I don't see them even trying to I, – I, they may look at it the same way as you, Greg, because I don't see them trying to fight that kind of battle. Like, they're not recruiting the same kids that Alabama and Georgia are recruiting. No, they're, they're not. not. Going, they're not going head-to-head with those guys. Well, so we're going to be mired in this abyss for years to come. Unless it's 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 my change. it's my it's my greatest fear, and you know I've I've verbalized it. Like I I under I recognize that. So like something's got to give at some point. Um, I don't think losing all the best players in South Florida year after year is sustainable for the University of Miami football program. Uh-huh. Maybe now, you know, well, they'll, they, you know, the the response to that would be a lot of our best players have come from outside South Florida, but and and that's true. A lot of very good players have come from outside South Florida, but they're not recruiting in the upper tier outside of South Florida. So, you know, I'm not really sure, you know, if getting second tier guys from New Jersey or Texas or whatever can make up for not getting the best players from South Florida. I just don't, I personally would love to be surprised by it and see it happen, but I just can't, can't see that happening. So something, something's got to change and something's got to give soon or, you know, the, the, 
um, the, the size of the of of this reclamation and rebuild is going to keep expanding. You know, I look at I look at this Greg as year four. Right, right now to me, this is year four of what Mark Rick started. Okay, I don't look at this as year one. I look at this as year four of what Mark Rick started. But if if this recruiting trend continues, it's going to get be back at year one within a couple of years. I mean, there's no question. Because all the the linebackers, Shaq and Pinkney are out of here. You know. Rousseau's got one more year. DJ Dallas is out of here, more than likely at the so end of this think, year. So you think DJ Dallas is going to leave after this year? I think it's going to make sense if he keeps playing the way he's playing. I mean, he's playing at such a high level. I mean, I mean, and then that's another question that you could ask is why? If I mean, did you see against Virginia the offense had success when they were running it around DJ Dallas? Yeah. How many times are we going to get caught from behind running a stretch play? Because they don't block the backside. That you can't do anything the about. The, off- line the offensive line is the offensive line right now. They can't, they can't block non-stretch plays either. You know, Danny knows has got to be so frustrated. He's got, you know, he can't rely on the running game. Um, they can't move people. It's, it's just got to be incredibly frustrating for him. You know, so he's trying to pick his spots. I thought he did a good job picking his spots in the game on Friday night. I really did. Yeah, well, our three are, we have Jalen Rivers. So you're going to stick him in there next year as a true freshman. And the same thing's going to happen. They need to hit the Juco ranks big time for offensive linemen or, or the transfer portal. That's where they need to go. All right, I'll let All you right, Greg. Go. Before, you, wait, 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 wait. Before you go, give me one positive thing that you're feeling. I mean, they, they did just one win the game. Positive thing? Yeah, yeah. Give us a positive. A, a positive thing. Um, Greg Russo, B.J. Dallas, and Brevin Jordan. Those are the and uh, and I like uh, Gervin Hall and. Oh, by the way, my buddy Knowles finally made a good play the other night. He he knocked the ball he knocked the ball out of the guy's hands. I think more significantly more significantly, Greg, he has not had a bad play this year. How about that? I don't remember him he hasn't gotten beaten this year like he has in past years. Uh, uh, all, right. all right, Greg, well thank uh, you for being part of the show as always, man. Thanks for getting us started. Hopefully hopefully they'll 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 keep working to win you over one of these weeks. <laughs> All right. All right, Greg. Yep. Poor Greg. Man, I'll tell you. I mean, you could feel how big of a fan he is, and he is. And, uh, I mean, I, I get it. It, it. It's it's frustrating to be sitting in early October and really not have a whole lot to look forward to in football season. But, uh, listen, Friday night was better. And and I think you got to give them credit for what they were able to put together Friday night, and um, you know try to find a little happiness in that. I guess I don't know. Um, there's there's no point in misery when you're cheering for your team. You know they they almost certainly should beat Georgia Tech this week. They'll be four and three, and then they'll have five games left that'll at the end of the day define whether this season is a total disaster 
which I believe it would be if it ends with six wins or seven wins. Um, it's kind of in the middle at eight wins or about as expected at nine. You know, I mean, I, I thought they'd win nine when I looked at it at the beginning of the year. So um, I don't know that they're going to make it to that, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. All right. 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad. If you'd like to come on the show, let's go to, to the 757. You are now on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, Gary. How you doing? Long time no here, man. Uh, ain't nobody but Kane Kane. One. What's up, Kane Kane? Get rid of them. Just, you know, just making it, man, trying to survive. When you going to cut them intros, man? You don't even need that. You need to get to all these people that want to cry and bitch and fuss because we got some terrible fans. I was at the game Friday night. The funny thing is, it was empty in that bit. We sat behind the goalpost. It was empty. Fans were loud, though. I give them that, but it was empty. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But, hey, that's just how it goes. Ain't nothing you can do about it. Fans that want to come, they're going to come. But it wasn't that big of a crowd. But they were loud, and I'm glad that we did win. It was a very exciting moment to see them beat Virginia because last year, you know, how it went down up in Virginia, which I didn't go to the game. But our fan base, man, is fickle. They funny acting. Yo, boys, man, when I get up there and read, when they talk about these two quarterbacks, and I'm just going to break it down. Why people got to go against each other? I mean, well, Perry this, and then you'll hear that Perry ain't this, and then you'll hear Williams this, and then you hear William ain't that. Why? My thing yeah, is, it, it's not like we're sitting here debating uh, Dan Marino versus Tom Brady. I mean, I don't disagree with that, you on that that's front. What that, that's what I'm saying, but as long as them two, when I heard Perry say what he said, that's why I washed my hands when he said, look, Williams got my back and I got his. Damn the fans, man, because these kids, the more you do that negativity, and if it gets into their head, then they're going to start pulling against one another. And that's going to just cause more mischief, more trouble. But as long as they got their back, that's what's good about it. We're going to be better. And, you know, Trayvon Hill, that's my boy because he's from here. Trayvon should have been getting more reps too. But he is in that backfield a lot. I see him. He be, he be getting at that yeah. quarterback. Like well, I got I to tell you, you know, everybody wants to diss on Patchen. And he's not mm-hmm. Rousseau, and he's probably not Trayvon Hill either. But, you know, he, he is a pretty solid player now. He's been grading out pretty well. Yes, sir, I'm not knocking him. I mean, you know, to me, he could be a D-tackle, a lot of people say. because Nah, he's not big enough to be play D-tackle. But the, the, see, the thing is, like, when he was getting 40, 50 snaps and Rousseau was getting 22, it should have been the other way around. Well, I can agree with that, too. That's understandable. That's very understandable. And uh, like you said, against Georgia Tech, we should win. And fans, just chill on the on the floor about these two quarterbacks. Just let it go. And then people want to talk Trevor. Why would he say Williams the starter? Look, man, they named him the starter. The man didn't lose his job by throwing them three interceptions. And then people can critique all they want. Well, Williams didn't do this. Well, I sat in that game. So I'm going to say this. We won the game. But you came out and said we only had five-some yards total, da 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 well, 250. Right, we had, yeah, yeah. We had that one drive. But but I think that was part of the play. I, I really think that they were managing Nicosi in that game, and they weren't going to put Nicosi in in a position to to throw a bunch of interceptions and hurt the team, like what happened against Virginia Tech. I think I'm, they they I think they reined it back a little bit. I'm glad with that too, because I remember that when we got that touchdown, 
And at the end of the third quarter, my homeboy tapped me and said, look up there, Kim. And it was a total of 118 for total yards. And I'm like, boy, we really looking kind of struggling shit. But then they picked it up in the fourth. Like you said, when DJ got the ball and then COVID did the little out passes here and the slant passes there and the receivers took off, and it was good. And he ran the touchdown. And it's a good thing. Kane fans, we're not going to win the championship. Stop itching. We're not nowhere near that right now, but we can. Still when? When, when, when? When will they win the championship, Kane? Kane, based on what you're saying, when? When? When I smoke weed and get high, and I ain't smoked weed since ever. I'm 51. Give it some time. Everybody got to give it some time. You already said the recruits don't want to come. I've seen a couple decommit. You know what? We just need some dogs. Yeah, we need some stars, but we need dog people that really want to play. Now, don't you think that offensive line will be better next year? After all this butt kicking they taking this year, or no? I'm I'm not convinced, King Kane. I'm not. not I, I mean, I I mean, I'll you know maybe a little better. I'm not convinced it's going to be markedly better. I mean, exactly. let me ask you a question. All right, DJ Scaife, who is a right. decent player. He's a decent player. He played last year as a true freshman. Does okay. he look so much better this year than he looked last year? Not really. He looks about the same to me. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I'd have to study the film, but he looks about the same. Navon Donaldson, to me, has gone backwards each year. That's what people He's, say. He looks 30, 40 pounds overweight to me. Corey Gaynor, I think, you know, he's going to keep getting better. I like Corey Gaynor and what I'm seeing from him. Um, mm-hmm. But Clark and Nelson, I mean, maybe. Maybe they'll be way better next year. Maybe they won't. You know what? I mean, I, I, I'm not going to make that prediction. I'll put it to you like this. I love when you go on the opposite side. And when you go on the opposite side, these kids show you different sometimes. So let's just pray and hope. Oh, I'm happy to be shown. I'm happy to be shown I'm, that they're way better next year. I, I've been saying you have done this quite a few times. And that probably. Kane Kane, I am totally game, buddy. And, and, but, but I will point out, I will point out to you. That and I know one guy you're thinking about when you're saying that is Michael Jackson, who who we built ourselves up into how great he was and he was he was he had a good last couple of years, no no question. But I don't know if you've noticed what's happened to him since. I mean, like I wasn't so totally wrong. I mean, you're telling me the University of Miami should not be playing with cornerbacks that are you know, drafted in the top two, three rounds of the NFL draft and are in the league for several years, the University of Miami, with all the defensive backs, not just in South Florida, but the state of Florida. I mean, Kane Kane, we're supposed to be playing with better. We're supposed to be playing with better than Michael Jackson. Now, I know Michael Jackson rose to the forefront and he did a nice job and Mike Rumpf did a really good job coaching him. But let's not kid ourselves that Michael Jackson is God's gift to the cornerback position and, you know, is going to have a 10-year career in the National Football League. It's not happening. But so, we got to be a stand-up man. We got to do what we got, as you always say. No need to say this, that, and the third. No, we don't have to deal with what – they don't have to deal with what they have, Kane Kane. They need to. They need to get better. They need to be recruiting better than what they have. And to me, the benchmark when they go out recruiting – should be, uh-huh. is this player better than what we've been playing with the last four years? And if the answer is no, then you need to work harder and find somebody who is. That's the way I look at it. Staying the same okay. is not going to get this program any place. You cannot win a dang thing at the University of Miami in football anymore 
And I don't see it this changing for a very long time because they're about to pump another $70 million into their program, and they are just totally out of control. You cannot win a thing, Kane Kane, at the University of Miami in football if you cannot line up against Clemson and win every now and then. Okay. I ain't going to knock that every now and then. Well, I put it to you like this. We got just as much talent as Carolina, and they took them to the wild. One game, but it don't matter. It can be done. So don't keep shitting on our kids like this sometimes. I'm not shitting on any kids. I love. There's not a kid on the team I don't like. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's a lot of elite players. There's not. When the NFL comes every week and they bring they bring their scouts out every week, Kane Kane, and they watch us play, they they're looking they they're looking at Rousseau as elite. That's one He's player, elite. But you can circle the wagon around the country, and there's a lot of teams that ain't got half the shit we got that play ten times better than us. So you're not going well, to keep you're, you're, right, you're right. You're right. That does happen. You're right. So it what's happens. What's the problem, Gary? What's the problem, Well, the problem Gary? is that there's it, other it, things besides the lack of elite talent. <laughs> there's other issues, too. I mean, and I'm certainly not saying that there's an exclusive issue, but that would be the first one I would address. Okay, well, I got you. You know, you all right with me, 10 four, six, six. I plan on coming back to that Louisville game. Oh, man, I ain't know they put up 60 until today. That's going to be a damn game to see. For sure. Kane, that Kane, is going to be a show. Keep doing your thing. Peace out. All right, Kane Kane. Thanks for calling in, man. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. I don't, like, I'm not going to dispute that there's other issues. I'm not going to say that this has been the best coached football program in, in college football over the last 10, 15 years. I'm not going to make any of those arguments. But if we're going to argue about what needs to be done to make this thing look consistent week after week and not just it be in win some, lose some mode, which I think is you know kind of where we've been now for several years and where we are this year. You know, lose some, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. Win some, Virginia. Every game is a close game. Most of them in this conference are close games. All these teams are average teams that are relatively evenly matched. There's a lot of very good coaches in the ACC. So... If you're going to win more than your fair share, where, which one team is doing right now and one team only, you better have what they have, and that's elite talent. And they have a lot of it. And that's why when they don't play so well and their kids aren't invested like they weren't when they played North Carolina, they still found somehow, some way to end up on top of the scoreboard. And... It's not going to happen all the time. You saw what happened to Georgia, for example, this past weekend. But when you have elite talent, you're going to find some way to win most games. And uh, Miami doesn't have a lot of elite talent right now. And that's why it's win some, lose some. And these seven win, eight win seasons, you know, if you, if you get fortunate like we did in 2017 and you, you get the bounces a few extra times, you can get to nine. But, you know, that's just where it is. Then you go get killed by Clemson and Charlotte. It's like something's got something's to change. And, uh, you know, great victory Friday night. I mean, there was so much, so much to be ha- happy about. Um, but if you want to focus on the big picture, uh, you have to recognize that something 
needs to change in in the big picture. Uh, let's go out to the nine four one. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hi, Gary. It's Mikester King. How are you? What's up, Mikester? How are you? Hey, good, good, good. I want to ask you a question there, bud. Did you talk to Dan Enos that we had our conversation last week on Kane Sport Live? Because I swear, when I was I was saying he 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 should do this, you know, and he did exactly what I was what I was saying that he should do. On I mean, I my mean, guess is, my guess is when he wakes up at five in the morning and goes and probably takes a little run. I'm sure he puts his headset right. on and and listens to the show, and um, you know he listens to the podcast. <laughs> and I'm and I'm sure he heard your advice. Well, you know, it's like. I'm like, I'll be, I'll be damned. There he, yep, there it is. He's running the spread. He's, he's throwing short, quick passes to try to loosen up the defense. And I'm like, whoa, holy cow. Maybe he did listen. <laughs> Maybe he did listen to me. But, uh, well, anyway, anyway, I'm going to be positive about this whole thing. I was at the game Friday night. It was a great win. A great, great win. It's a much-needed boost. And, Maybe I'm going to be optimistic. Maybe that'll help our recruiting. What do you think? Your opinion, your thoughts. I think recruiting is 80% done right now. I don't, I don't see a lot helping recruiting in this cycle. Um, you know, signing day is going to come very quickly after the season. I think um, the bulk of the kids are committed. I mean, I don't think that any of the additions to the class at this point, are going to be elite players. Um, right. I don't see I don't see us in the mix for a lot of elite talent. Um, I think they're going to be you know roster filling type of players. Um, you know you might get a kid to flip from Florida State. You know like this like this kid um, Harold. Um, right. You know you, you might get an, an, another kid who might be committed somewhere else to flip, or you, or a kid who hasn't committed yet. You know you might get them, but I don't see a lot of elite. Uh, program changing type of opportunities out there for this class. To me, right now, this is about 2021. Uh, when you once again have a lot of very good players in South Florida, and somehow, some way, you have to make them feel like coming to play for the Miami Hurricanes is a good decision. Right. Yeah, 2021, I think that's the best that we can do right now. So, and <laughs> so anyway, I mean, this um, is not a, this is not a bad class. I mean, this class has a lot of good players in it. I just don't see a lot of elite. Yeah. I, I see a lot of, yeah, I see I a lot of good, a lot of good players, which is what, which is what the team has right now. You have a lot of good players on the team. Right. But it's getting over that hump. It's getting, it's getting over the hump. Really- and, and my opinion is to get over the hump, you need to sign difference making players. You have to be. A, right. You have to get get to the point where you're. When NFL Draft Day comes in April, you know they're talking about the University of Miami again. Right, right. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So, anyway, the game's at twelve o'clock. Are you going to Sicilian Oven after the game? Uh I haven't gotten that far yet. I I <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to go Saturday night. But there's oh, a chance. Okay, there's always a chance that I may pop into that plantation location, no doubt. That's that's where I'm going, dude. 
That's yep. where I'm going Saturday after the game on my way home. Because I live in Port Charlotte, I drive straight across the alley. So, <laughs> so great Had food, lunch there yesterday. Management. Great food. Uh, did, did you go yesterday? I did. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Hi, Kaylee, my daughter. <laughs> All right, well. All right, Mike, well, sir. I'll tell you. All right, let me let so you what, go. Buy you got any uh, – before you hang up, do you have any advice that you, you want to pass on to um, Coach Enos who will probably – let's see, it's it's 844. So it will be about – probably about 545 tomorrow morning when he's just about wrapping up his jog when he gets to your your segment here on the show. So go ahead. If you got some advice for him for the Georgia Tech game, now's the time to lay it out there. All right, Coach Enos, just keep doing what you're doing. Run the spread throw short, quick passes every once in a while. If, if Jaron's playing, you know, throw the deep ball. But if he does play, I prefer Jaron. That was another thing I was going to point out. I prefer Jaron, and the reason why I do is because I think he's more accurate, and you want accuracy. I know Perry's got a stronger arm, but Jaron has the accuracy, so I pick him over uh, over over uh, Perry, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, just keep doing what he's doing. I'll tell him keep doing what he's doing. Well, and, you tell uh, him. I think, I'm not going to tell him. I, you tell him. All right. I'll, I'll tell you. Dan Enos, keep doing what you're doing. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. Run the spread, multiple formations. And I think that if he does, there's a chance that we might win the rest of the game, you know, for the remainder of the season. That's what I'm going to say, bud. <laughs> all right, Mike. All right. We'll talk to you next all week. Right. Thanks for Thanks for calling in. All right. All right, take care now. Bye-bye. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Let's go to the 973. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Gary, Gary, Gary. What's up, Mr. Well, Ross? You must ahead, be feeling dude. good. You got to be feeling good about the Virginia game. Hold come on. Up. Go, go ahead, go ahead and cut this part out for Dinos, because you don't want him hearing this one, okay? Because everybody's been playing patty cake. I'm not playing patty cake with him. So if he's going to be listening like this little game you're playing right now, let him listen to this one. All right, well, make you sure start- you make it good. you got to make it good, Ross, because let me tell you something. Um, you know, la- la- last week – a couple of people thought I was a little bit too tough on you, so I gotta, I can't, I, you know, I gotta tough. like. You're always tough on me. But I, I gotta back. I I'm gonna I'm back off. I'm gonna back off a little bit here and let you do your thing. But just please, 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 make it good, man. Make it good. Go ahead. Well, I'm gonna make it good. I'm gonna try to make it good. Do my best. Here's the thing. You've been playing patty cakes. Well, no, I'm not. Here's the thing. Do not, Gary. You start the show. You're giving credit to the defense. I love it. We won. Ross, we've been miserable for six weeks. If you can't be positive and give kudos after that performance, well, when are you ever going to give I'm kudos? Being I'm being positive. We just got to point out some, some real stuff. Go ahead. Now, you go into another segment. You, make, you gave comments and, and compliments to that segment. As soon as you got to the um, offense, you, you go right to the quarterback and you say, he has to stop throwing the ball over these guys' heads. First of all, if he was playing from day you did, one, when did I? I didn't say that. You say he was. You didn't hear that. He would hit it. No, that wasn't me. I didn't say that. Somebody else might have Gary, said that. I, you didn't hear. Gary, you, you didn't hear that come out of Gary, my mouth. Uh uh-uh. uh Gary, Gary, you didn't say if he would have hit a couple of passes, it would have been a different type of um, game. You didn't say that. 
Oh, I did. I said that the stats would have looked a little right. different. Yeah. No, you okay. would have had another me... hundred. You would have had 350 yards of offense instead of 250. I did say that. Gary, you're, you're doing what you promised to people you're not going to do. You're interrupting me. You're telling me you're this. You just, you just said, give me, some, give me a chance. You're, you just asked me All a right, question. So, okay. No, I made a statement. Okay. And you jumped in, but it's fine. It's your show. Now, you said um, if you would have hit those, those things in stride, it would have looked a little different. Well, here's the thing. If my opinion, he should have been a starting quarterback from day one. My opinion. You're making everybody else have an opinion here about who they want to pick their quarterback. I pick mine, Terry. Now, if he would have been working with these guys from the beginning, he probably wouldn't have these overthrows. Okay? He wouldn't have these overthrows. So that's, that's one for him. Two. Hey, can I interrupt you for a minute? Can I interrupt you for just one sec? What do you mean if he had been working with these guys from the beginning? What do you think? What, first what do you think's been going on for six months? What are you talking Gary, about, Gary? No, what do you mean? What I'm talking about? What are you talking about? Here's the thing. Did it's, they have? Wait, wait, listen. time out. Did they have spring practice? Okay, I'm going to get. I'm going to get to it in a minute. Did they have spring practice? Did they have they spring did. practice? Okay. Did they, they did. work? Did they have off-season workouts the entire summer? Absolutely. Okay. Did they have training camp? Absolutely. Have they had six weeks of game practices? Absolutely. Okay, go ahead. But let me let me make this statement. I'm not going to ask you because I'm going to make a statement. It's nothing like live bullets. Nothing replaces live bullets. Williams has been getting his share of live bullets from the beginning. I'm saying if it was Perry taking those live bullets, he would have got in sync with his wide receivers on time routes, on time deep ball. That's that. That's what I'm getting at. Now, Enos calling plays looked ridiculous the other night. You can't tell me you're going to take you're going to make an excuse for this guy where he we're at the three yard line and he's doing an end around to the tight end and the short side of the field. There's no excuse for that. You got it wasn't really an end around. It was almost like a jet sweep with the tight end. Whatever <laughs> it was, the tight yeah. end run it did, a whatever it was four. it didn't work. I agree. Yeah. Not that it didn't work. It's 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 an idiotic play call. So if he's taking a jog in the morning, I'm not calling you an idiot. I'm saying it's an idiotic play call. So when you're saying, when you go back and you say you want more fish, you want more plays to be run and more efficiency on the offensive plays, if he doesn't waste our time and his team time calling those stupid plays, maybe we would attack the, 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 the end zone and maybe there would have been a touchdown or a pass interference and now we're scoring proper the proper way, and we look like we know what we're doing. Him running that play doesn't look like he know what he's doing, Gary. Now, did he make up for it towards the end of the game? Yes, he did. But you still have to look like you know what you're doing. That's what I'm getting at. Let's not look like you don't know what you're doing. You're getting paid all this money. So that's what, that's part of what the problem is, Gary. When you say we're not hitting on the proper cylinders, you also got to make your players look good. You also got to make your quarterback look good. You also got to make things look right. We should have been running the ball down there or attack in the, t- the, the, the corners or the middle of the end zone, period. No sideways stuff. We don't have those type of athletes. We have athletes that will run you over and, and get speed and, and towards the end zone corners. And I'm not saying we don't have a speed, but we have speed, but those are just bad calls. Anyway, let's move on. Now, um, as far as the kicker is concerned, I'm, I'm going to nitpick him again. He didn't win the job for the field goals. He so he's you he supposed to show up and put the ball in the end zone and Gary you want to tell me on three out of his kicks he he kicked the ball short of the end zone this time when he was the kicker that was kicking field goals he and he was he was, he was up there he was kicking in the end zone uh, you noticed that I, I noticed it's, it 
Yeah, I, I'm, so, I'm, 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 I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you uh, kudos for noticing that, because yeah, it's you know what that, you know what that showed us? Mental. It's it showed mental. us, it showed us that he was devastated that he wasn't kicking, he and his head, hurt. and from, and from that point on, his head wasn't into it, and yeah, that was, that was the worst he's kicked the, off in his career. And let's go back to the beginning of the year when I said a proper team, a team that's being properly recruited, usually have three guys: one that could kick it, kick it deep and one that could specialize in field goal. I said that from the beginning. Anybody that comes on your show that said, I can't wait till Mr. Everything get on here. Listen, listen, we had a bad start, Gary, but I love the stuff that he says because he keeps it real. He gets right to the point. He keeps it real. And whoever you're having on as your guest tonight, I hope yeah, well, no, I, wonder where, I wonder where he is tonight. He's usually on earlier than this, but uh, that might be him further down the queue. But, yeah. No, you're right. But, he does. He keeps yet, it real. I agree. And you know what? He he predicted a few things that's coming to fruition, and it's sad. Now let me let me talk about this recruiting thing for for a minute, Gary. I know you're when you just said what you just said. It kind of I, I fell off my seat when you said this is year four of Mark Rick's situation. Don't do that to this group. We don't have elite recruiters, but let's not. Okay, you want me to? Me. What do you want me to say, Ross? And and I and I'm going to speak want, very quickly because I, I want you to talk. You, but but you, what do you, you want me to sit here and say to you the same thing I've said five times in the last fifteen years that this is year one of a five year rebuild? No, what I want you to say is if you're going to give, if you're going to, and I'm not a fan of of Mark Rick at all, but the way everybody has been recruiting, and that's including Golden. The way we recruit and the people that we hire to recruit is sad. I'm not saying the same way you pick out some ball players and say that they're not good, they're not elite, they're not good enough. It's the same way I can say we don't have proper defensive coaches. We have two linebacker coach or three linebacker coaches that don't know what they're doing. Because if your defensive corner has to step in and make the changes that you should be making as a linebacker coach and and a defensive coordinator, you shouldn't be on the job. You mean the head coach? You should not be on the job. Well, somebody else might make the argument that the head coach should have been coaching the defense all along. I well, mean, he became, the, he became the head coach because of his ability to coach the defense. Well, explain this one to me. And this is the type of stuff that bothers me as a fan. I love my team. I love we got the victory. We owed Virginia one. And, Gary, let's not minimize this victory. We won a game against a good team. We have to take the steps towards winning against a good team. But let, explain this one to me. Why? Don't get on the podium and tell me that yeah, maybe we should have sent somebody out to get the kid off the field. I tell you, when I watch my team every week, I see something I've never seen in college football before every time. And I've never seen that in college football where a kid gets kicked out of a game and then we get penalized for him still being in the game. Have you ever seen that? No, usually, usually somebody immediately escorts that player to the locker room. So what are we doing as a coaching staff then? I, I don't know. I don't know, but to me, there's so many other things to talk about that I'm it is, not going to. This shows you the load of stuff. This shows you the kind of because we do those things. Why I'm not surprised about other things. So let's get mm-hmm. off, Gary. Please get off the kids' backs a little bit and saying that they're not good. I'm not on anybody's backs, and I'm not saying anybody's not good. I said there's a lot of good players on the team. That's not but saying they're not, they're not coached good. up. They're not being coached. Well, that's up. a whole other argument, but I'm not saying they're not good. I'm saying there are not a lot of elite players on the team. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, Pickney is going to be elite in the league. I guarantee. No chance. No. Okay. Well, maybe, well, well, maybe. No, no, no. I'm not going to predict what he'll do in the league. We'll see what he does down the road. But you're talking well, about a, a kid that's going to be a fourth, fifth round draft pick. 
It, well, that's not, that's, be easy on that. No, be easy on that. You still got to go through the combine, Gary. Be easy on that. You don't know that yet. You still got to go through the combine, Gary. Well, that's what that's that's where he's projected at the moment. Okay, because you make you saying you don't want to talk about the pros, but then you you bring up Michael Jackson and what he's doing now in the pros. So you can't have it both ways. Let's not have it both ways, Gary. I listen to everything. Who said I don't want to talk about the pros? I didn't say that. You just said don't bring up the fact that what he's going to do in the pros. Well, I said think he's going to shine in the pros. You said let's not go that far, but you just went that far with Michael Jackson. No, I, I acknowledge that we don't know what he's going to do in the pros, but right now the pros have him projected as a fourth or fifth round draft pick. But I'm going back to Michael Jackson when you said that you you you, you made your point. You gave yourself a pat in the back against your against Kane Kane when you said that you told everybody that Michael Jackson was. A I wasn't really giving myself a pat in the back. I was saying that I wasn't like all wrong. Like I know that but, you know in our current scenario that he was able to rise up and play some pretty darn good football for a couple of years. No, no dispute there at all, at, 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 at all. But that's all we care about to do. Hey, Gary, do me a favor. Um, Bolden, can you give me his ratings? Like I, you like to give it, you like to tell me what the college football, pro football, pro, whatever, with the ratings. I like to know what he's been in the last, his last game. And what he's been in the last couple of games for us, because I'm kid, this kid is going to be okay for us. And I got one knock on nose. I love him because he's a he's a king, but don't tell me he didn't do anything wrong all year because I would love for him to make that tackle at North Carolina on that two point conversion. He didn't make it. I miss nothing, Gary. I miss nothing. Appreciate you keeping <laughs> me on hold. Thank you. All right, and I'm gonna um I'm gonna look up uh real quick here. I'll look up Bubba Bolden for you. The last uh, let's see let's see what he did in the Virginia game. He um. In the Virginia game, he graded – he was the seventh highest rated defensive player. Had a 72.8 grade, which is pretty pretty darn good. But, I mean, that, that's 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 pretty darn good. And so he, he should have been called for that penalty. He should have been called for that penalty. It laid it out of bounds because the guy – the kid was still in bounds when he made that hit. He was still yeah, in bounds. Yeah, he played pretty well against Virginia. Now, in the Virginia Tech game, he was not very good. But the first, for, first of all, his first time out, and he got beat on the hit. first time out. Yep, and guess what? He got hit on a hit and go, which which this which really shouldn't have been it shouldn't have been that type of call because he turned around when he started he he, he made up for it because he chased the kid down. That shows you he has elite speed. What we need in in that backfield, and I also see Hall making a lot of mistakes. Gary, I think Hall might be playing out of position. I'm not sure he's he's a free. I, I don't know what we have him as, but he's making a lot of mistakes not getting to not covering the field. Hall is not covering this field. We have to make some adjustments there. But we won't have Carter for the first half of this game. All right, Ross. Thanks, as always, for calling in, man. All right, right, guys, I'm going to take a minute here, and I'm going to tell you why. After the Georgia Tech game on Saturday, everybody should leave Hard Rock Stadium in unison and go have a post-game meal at Sicilian Oven. By now you know the Sicilian Oven is one of my favorite restaurants in all of South Florida, a place that I find time to visit in every corner of town. I don't have to tell you about all the damn pizza places in South Florida. We've talked about it every single week. You can get a pizza. I mean, within 30 seconds of my house, I have about eight pizza places where I can get pizza. But you know what I do? I get in my car, I drive 15 minutes to Plantation, and I go to Sicilian Oven because there's no place quite like Sicilian Oven, which has six locations 
throughout South Florida. So I go for lunch all the time because I'm a pizza guy. I like to eat pizza. And they got these great pizza lunch specials. And um, usually what ends up happening is I eat mine. And then I know my wife back home would like her own Sicilian oven pizza because she doesn't like to eat my scraps. So I can't like bring her my leftover slices. I got to get her her own pie, which I always do. And I bring, I bring that home for the wife. And uh, let me put it this way. It goes over well. Okay. She loves her Sicilian oven. And uh, at Sicilian oven, they offer a new way of dining with a philosophy based on the best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu. And many of these recipes have been handed down from generations through the DeSalvo and Garavuso families. It begins with those classic pizzas that have traditional toppings, but expands far greater than that to gourmet and select pizza combinations that are far removed from what you're gonna find at the nearest corner. You love wings? Sicilian Oven's wood-fired wings are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices and served with caramelized onions. Nothing. I mean, you could put caramelized onions on just about anything, and it'll make it great. You put the the caramelized onions at Sicilian Oven on those wood-fired chicken wings, and they're about the greatest wings you'll ever eat. So let's say you like eggplant. Or you like shrimp, or you know, or chicken, or, or or other types of Italian food. Sicilian oven offers a whole wide array of specialty dishes that you're guaranteed to find something that suits your palate. They have soups, sandwiches, salads, pasta dishes. No matter your taste, you will find something great at Sicilian Oven, with six locations throughout South Florida. All right, so it's Saturday. in the afternoon. You didn't want to pay the ridiculous concession prices at Hard Rock Stadium. You're hungry as hell because it's been four hours since you tailgated. You got two locations right up the street from Hard Rock Stadium. All right? You got that plantation location I'm telling you about all the time. It's at the Fountains Complex off University Drive. And then there's the Aventura location at 205th and Biscayne. You need a place to eat great food and watch a road game like when the Canes go to Pitt in a week? Well, you've got other locations that might be closer to your house at Lighthouse Point, Coral Springs on Sample Road, and 101st and in Boca Raton. And then there's that Fort Lauderdale location on Oakland Park Boulevard just west of Bayview where they have a full liquor bar. So get on over to your nearest Sicilian oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. It's Sicilian Oven and SicilianOven.com. You will not only love the taste, but like the Meister Kane now does on a weekly basis, and you've heard him talk about it, with passion, you will taste the love. And we'll be having that Sicilian Oven point-counterpoint segment coming up here in a little bit where the voice of the fan, Bruce Warner, is going to be joined by the great one, Mr. Leon Searcy. And they'll be coming on the show in a little bit here, and we're going to have a lot of offensive line talk because there's so much, obviously, to talk about. 
But now let's go back to your calls, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the 540 where you are live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. Yes, sir. Who's this? Uh, this is Jason. How are you doing? What's up, Jason? Welcome to the show. You haven't called before, have you? I have. I've called a few times before. Oh, okay. Well, if you if you yeah. start calling more often, I'll recognize your voice. But glad to have you on. Right. What you got for us tonight? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I just this is not me kissing butt, but I just want to thank you. I've been a subscriber since '92, and thanks for oh, all man. your objective reporting and your um, objective analysis, especially during the times where I'm not winning Jack Doodly Poo. So. Thanks for for keeping it real over there at Kingsport. Thank you, Jason. We appreciate all you guys, uh, man. I wanted to uh, – well, first of all, I'm happy for the win, but I want to talk about big picture. Um, when uh, If you remember when Al Golden was fired and we were looking for uh, another coach, a lot of guys were calling in, and you were kind of echoing this, that the, the next guy we hire – had to be the guy or else it'd be kind of almost too late um, yep. to get things back going. Do you still feel that way? I, I have Absol- my own I, I, Absolutely. I mean, I you've probably heard the desperation in my words and my columns and my voice on the show in talking about this program. I absolutely feel that way. Yep. And I feel that every year that goes by that we're conducting business the way it's being conducted, that – it's it's just another it's an it's another step closer to what you're talking about. I mean, think about this. This is 15 years now, right? The kids that are being recruited, the kids that are being recruited when Miami was good, they either were not conceived or exactly. or they were um, you know, breastfeeding. I mean, seriously. Right. I mean, right. like these kids don't know Miami the way those of us know Miami who have been around for a while and I think that has a big a big factor in everything that's going on and you know you have these kids in South Florida that probably partially for that reason and I'm sure there's I know there's others it's also but like they are not sitting there when they're in 9th 10th 11th and 12th grade and saying I have to play for the University of Miami um, attendance amongst the best players in South Florida at games is at a trickle. You don't see many of the best players showing up at Hard Rock Stadium anymore. Um, you know, you, you're you're seeing. I mean, the, the the amount of talent that is getting away from South Florida is absolutely staggering. At going to all these other schools. Uh, yeah, you know, some has to give at some point, and if it doesn't, and it stays the way it is, every year that goes by, I believe what you said is very astute. It's 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 not going to get easier. Right, it's it's not going to get any easier, and um, I think uh, I think the guy after Golden had to be the guy, but I don't think it's a total dead. Thing, dead fish in the water. I mean, well, here and let me tell you why it's not yet. 
Jason, let me tell you why it's not yet. And, and you're right about Mark Richt. And Mark Richt at the time was probably the best hire they can make. And he, Mark Richt, transformed the University of Miami Athletic Department. Mark Richt inspired them to raise the budgets to the levels that it needed to be. He increased the budgets for coaches, for support staff. He helped them very quickly build the Carol Sofer indoor practice facility. He made the University of Miami change the way they do business. Okay, absolutely transformed the program and realized after last year that he was tired. Okay, that he just didn't have it in him that this is such a big job, and it is every big bit as big as he possibly could have thought it was. He didn't have it have it in him to to do it anymore. And he walked away. And he did this athletic department the biggest favor that he possibly could have in doing that. Because he gave Blake James a blank slate. To uh, now yeah, take start on that. I, I, well, I, I, yeah, I well, he did, but he did. He did. Go he ahead. gave Blake James a blank slate to go out and build on what he had done. And that is the burden that Manny Diaz wakes up with every single day. And don't ever question that Manny Diaz doesn't want to do that. He absolutely does. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. You know, yeah, but I, the, I, the question's going to be, can he do it? And, 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 and can a guy who has been a career assistant coach, who's never been a head coach, who doesn't carry a big stick on the national stage – to be able to go into homes and compete with Kirby Smart and Nick Saban and, you know, those kind of guys, Dabo Swinney, who's been winning national championships and things like that. Um, can he do it? Like, does he have the recruiting well, juice to go out and get the type of players that will allow him to take this program to the next level? And that's where we're at right I now. Think, well, I think, yeah, I think, I think that, that question has already been answered. I mean, we've seen this before and, We've the 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 Elfecto format has not been managed correctly for a long time, and and I'm happy that he got the job. I'm happy for him, but the good is the enemy of the best. I'm going to say that until I die, for until the Kings win a championship, is the good is the enemy of the best. Ever since in 2005, when Paul D got rid of Vernon Hargraves and Dan Werner and Art Kehoe and, and and just quote that that Black Monday, Don Saldinger. There's blew up, blew up the coaching staff. Yep, blew up the they coaching blew up. Staff. We, after nine wins, after a nine-win season. Right, right, and then that nobody was happy then, with, uh, but it was a nine-win season. Yeah, and then he hires these these uh, retreads, and that didn't work out. And then then we get Randy Shannon, and, and the athletic department doesn't give him the support for a good staff. And, and I know he made mistakes, but he didn't have a good staff. He didn't have the right he staff had, he needed. He had no support. Right. And then, no support whatsoever. He was having he was to take so money out of his own pocket to buy his coach's plane tickets. Oh, I remember you said, yeah, I remember you saying that on the boards. And then he, when he landed that one, that 08 class, that was only what six years after we were in the title game, and the time is just keeping keeps ticking by. And then and then and then they hire Al Golden, and then he just, you know, obviously he he was another budget hire. Uh, 
I'm sure Blake James is a heck of a nice guy, but I, I just I just think we need we need we need a dog there. We need a dog as an AD because he need a killer. See the red, yeah, we, we we he did not see the red flags in Mark Rick, so he had to convince him to not retire to come to his alma mater. And yes, Mark Rick was a great hire, but we needed someone with the big picture that could look at a Lincoln Riley who you were alluding to on the boards that was a possible candidate at the time. Or look, look at someone who is going to be a dog recruiter. Look at someone who's going to – when Butch Davis was hired, he could flash a Super Bowl ring, and he could talk about Jimmy Johnson, and the high school kids knew what he was talking about. It, when he got hired in 95, that was only a few years after we we played Alabama. We lost in the Sugar Bowl. We won the national title in the time. And, and the time is ticking, so the only thing that's going to fix us is if we get an athletic director that knows like, what the heck he's doing, he's just not – he doesn't hire a coach to say, oh, he can build a program, but he knows what he needs. He knows what type of coaches he needs. He gets someone who has a network of a, of a recruiting um, system who can go and convince these kids to come here, not because we're winning titles, because obviously not, but some, like you've been saying before, to present the program in a way that the University of Miami is the best place to come and, and to turn their back on these money bags and, and to come – and to build a staff, I, I, look at what Ed Orgeron does. He's a good recruiter, and he surrounded himself with good good coordinators. He revamped his passing game. He has a dog of a D.C. and uh, Dave Aranda. That's what we need now, and, and we don't have that. So I'm going to say we're going to be six to eight wins each year, and that's, what, that's what's been happening. There's a poster on the board. I think I forgot his name, but he has all the records well, of, our, of our program since 2004, and it's just abysmal. It's like – Ten wins one time, and then nine wins another out goal, and that's the best we've done. So, Jason, if you're right, and they go six to eight this year, six to eight next year, six to eight the year after that, then Manny Diaz gets replaced. Man, yeah, you are almost, you right. are starting all over again at that point. Exactly, and I don't want to be right. I'm not here to be negative. I'm just trying to be real. You know, we're not. We haven't done anything. We we've. This is the University of Miami where we need to be winning championships. We forget that before we held up to you, we held up one hand in the air, one, one finger in the air, and we were number one. There is no reason There is no reason that I can think of that the University of Miami shouldn't be a top 10 team in college football every single exactly. year. Exactly. And and, 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 I, and I really believe that. And I think it's a byproduct of getting the house right. Yeah. So now, we'll I'll say get, uh, right I mean, now it's Manny's show, and Manny's getting his chance. Yeah. And uh, we'll see I, how it goes. I'm I'm rooting for him, but I'm going to say this other thing. I am uh, Danny Ness is a great QB coach. I am not sure if he's worth what we're paying for him. I think he might be a better fit in another place. And in the last show, you said that he you're not sure if he's going to be here. So if he leaves, if I was Manny, I would get. I would get a dog over an offensive recruiting staff, and that could be what gets us back. And we I have a hard time seeing – you know, I, I do have a hard time seeing Dan Enos sticking with a program that wins six, seven, eight games. Like, I just don't know that he'll do that. We'll see. Right. You know, I, I mean, he played for the national title last year at Alabama. I mean, like, he's had a taste of that. Um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he, maybe he, Maybe he will be. First, we got to see how the year ends. Do you think that what he's doing is reflecting South Florida 
offense because when Manny I don't tired, think he has a prayer. Jason, I don't think he has a prayer. With this offensive line, it doesn't matter. He's running a lot of spread concepts and stuff. I mean, you got to realize you don't have a great quarterback and you don't have an offensive line. I, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, the best thing you could do is what he did the other night. He managed the, he managed the game. He kept Nicosi out of trouble and let the defense hold down Virginia. And, right. you know, if he, yeah. if he had to open it up more, I'm sure he was, he was prepared to. But – against that defense with that coaching staff and Bronco over there and everything else, I don't think they wanted to freewheel it on offense. I think they wanted to pick their spots. There was a lot of very safe passes. He, 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 he injected them in and out of the game plan. I thought he did a great job of managing that game last week. Um, and they got, they got out of there. I'm not sure that's going to cut it when you play a, a Louisville team that can put 60 points on the board. You know, it's just every week is different, but He's between a rock and a hard place. Let's be honest. You don't have an offensive line. How do you run any any scheme without an offensive line? Very hard. Yeah. Take too yeah, many negative plays. Enough, but, yeah, but fair enough. And why why do you slow developing play action instead of just going under the gun and getting rid of the ball quickly? I, I mean, I, I'm looking at him do the play. Our QBs, whether it's Jaron or Nikosi, and he's doing the play action, and there's a guy coming beating our tackle. I'm just praying now. Get rid of the ball. Why not? Why not spread it out? I mean, maybe Mark Ritz knew what he was doing last year. We, we criticized him. I don't think it's all his fault, but he he was in the shotgun all the time, and he he probably looked at his own line and thought that they just we can't do the the, the stuff I did as a pro style OC at Florida State. We're just going to go back in the shotgun and get rid of the ball. Well, why why don't we do that more instead of just doing these slow developing plays? Because we don't have a, a big threatening running game, why don't we just spread it out more and get in the gun? Why not do that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just, you know, we can, you can argue about individual play calls all day long, but I just don't think we, if you don't have an offensive line, and you know, we could talk to. There's nobody going to give us a better opinion on this than Leon Searcy, who's going to be coming on in a second. Um, you know, if you don't have an offensive line, I don't see how you run any offense. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, Jason, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you run so we can get Leon on, okay? Thanks, right, thanks for calling for in. Call. Great, great call. Give us a call next time. All right, guys, it's time for that segment that we all love, and um, the Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint, where we're joined by Bruce Warner, the voice of the fan, and a former Canes player. Pretty much each and every week, although we we gave those guys a break last week after the Virginia Tech loss because we didn't want to make anybody, not even the great Leon Searcy, come on the show and talk about the Virginia Tech game. Um, But he's here with us tonight, and um, you remember Leon played for the Canes from 1988 to 1991. He was a first-team All-American as a senior, um, a first-round draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He spent four seasons in Pittsburgh before he signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, where he played for five years. And then he finished his career with the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins. Well, now Leon works as a radio personality in the Jacksonville market, participating in a daily Lunch with Leon show that I wish I could listen to because I'm sure it's awfully good. We've had him on our show before. Leon's awesome on, on radio, and we're going to be graced by his presence now on Kane Sport Live. Um, Bruce and Leon, how are you guys doing tonight? Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? 
doing great, doing great. I wonder who's footing the bill for those lunches every every day with uh, with Leon. I hope you're not paying for well, it, buddy. Well, actually, it's Wingstop. It's sponsored by Wingstop. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, my lemon pepper guy. You can come and get you some anytime you want. Um, so, Leon, how's the how's the radio business going for you? You enjoying it? I'm enjoying it a lot. You know, um, I came back to Jacksonville about a year ago and had the opportunity to work with uh, 1010 XL, which is the official radio station of the Jaguars. And uh, I do a Monday through Friday show from 12 to 3 o'clock. It's called Lunch with Leon, uh, XL Primetime. And uh, I work with some great guys that uh, make me look good. Let me just say that. <laughs> No, you're the ultimate guest because you were down here on the radio wave, so we know you, buddy. We know you're good. What's, I appreciate that. What, what's please. going on with the offensive line? And I, I, I talked to Kelvin a few hours ago, and you know I try to get everybody's spin. Um, obviously, your your spin on this is being probably the greatest right tackle we've ever had at the school. It, it's all these guys individually having problems, and then when you when you focus on the fact that they haven't really been together as a unit, compounded even more. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Collectively, they're having a problem because you've got inexperience on the, at the tackle position, and then you've got guys who don't have any cohesiveness inside. You can't run the ball because I tell people that the, the heartbeat or the meat and potatoes of your running game is your centering your two cars, your ability to double-team the one to the mic and, and to control the three, and we're not doing enough of that. Then the experience, the inexperience at the tackle position and we're struggling with that as well. These kids are essentially freshmen, redshirt freshmen. And in this day and age, unfortunately, a lot of kids coming out of high school want to play early, don't want to get redshirted, you know, want the glitz and glamour of playing in college football. But a lot of these kids need the skill set and the experience, like myself. I mean, I didn't play University of Miami until my redshirt sophomore year because I had to learn how to be a cane, technique, fundamentals, training, nutrition, film study, footwork, uh, bent knees, hand-eye coordination, all that kind of stuff factors in. And then by the time I was ready, my sophomore year, I was ready to rock and roll. But throwing these kids in the fire, I guess that's this day and age now. These kids, they got to play three, four, five-star kids. They're putting them in right then and there. They're not, getting the, they're not being equipped at the high school level to learn and play the position by the high school coaches. And so when they come to college, uh, the technique and fundamentals are flawed, and then you're asking them to learn how to play the game on the run, and the vast majority of them can't do that. How, so explain this, because I've questioned it a couple of times during this week on the Cane Sport when I posted. How do guys like, like Hillary and Kayleon Herbert and Reed, who's now in the portal, and Campbell, how are these guys here all last year as three and four stars, and none of the four could beat out these two true freshmen? How does something like that happen? Are these guys just not that good, not paying attention, or what's going on with that? Do you have an idea or an opinion? I, I, I don't know. It could, be, it could be a variation of all types of things. I mean, But uh, four, Leon, four of them, all four I know, of them. I know, four of them. Then, I mean, the Kings will do a better job at finding recruits. Finding, I, mean, I mean, a lot of these kids that you're, you're, you're giving all these star tools, they are not equipped to play at the next level. And a lot of this high school ball, well, I, I just said, let me just say this. A lot of this high school ball and college ball that's going on has actually diminished the offensive line play, to be quite honest with you, because all you see right now is that you're seeing guys being spread out, offensive linemen not having to use their technique as much. I mean, this spread, this 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 spread offense or this this fast-paced offense has actually diminished a lot of the skills of the offensive line play because a lot of these kids aren't able to work on fundamentals and techniques. And I had the problem when I was at FIU. Well, I was coaching under Don Strong. 
Strzok. I mean, Coach Strzok literally only gave me 10 minutes of individual time with the offensive line, and I told him, I said, you want to run plays, Coach, but these kids have got to be able to have the footwork and fundamental to run a lot of stuff that you're doing. I said, 10 minutes is not enough for these kids. I need a half an hour. He would never give it to me, but the end result was losses because if the offensive line play is not intact, then your offense is not going to flourish, whether you're running the ball or pass the ball. And these kids, a lot of these kids need time. They need a 1,000 reps a day on whatever it may be, whether it be feet, hands, bent knees, coming off the ball, right foot lead, left foot lead, uh, kick, slide, punch, sit, all that kind of stuff. All these different variations of techniques they need. They need that work. And if you're not giving them that work, and then the end result is going to be how they play terribly. Right, like that. Before Gary goes, and clear up a myth that's been on Kane Sport, and I talked to you about it, and I told Gary, the school has not asked you to help any of these kids. You would do it if they ask, but they haven't asked you. Is that correct? Well, I, I'm not going to put the school out there. What I'm going to say is that I haven't been available for Paradise Camp uh, because I'm either working with the Jaguars or I'm working <laughs> with the radio station. But I would love to do a Paradise Camp. They just – if it doesn't coincide with my schedule, I'll come down there for sure. Okay, good. I, I won't have a problem at all. Well, McKinney and Romberg actually went out there several times in uh, in July and tried to help the kids, and they were kind of astonished at how raw they were. And uh, there's no question, you know, the, the, the Coach Barry can only do so much. I mean, that, that guys like you guys um, making yourselves available to the kids, I think the kids have to actually be the ones that ask you for their help because uh, the school can't um, be an official body arranging that. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, you guys just have so much, so much to offer. But, you know, Leon, I wanted to ask you something, because these guys that are listening tonight, and, you know, we've got several thousand Hurricane fans all over the country that are listening right now, they, they, everyone argues. And one of the biggest topics is offensive scheme. And, you know, Miami's traditionally always run um, a lot of pro concepts. It hasn't, you know, sometimes you'll see some spread concepts mixed in, but Miami's never gone all the way to the spread. And listening to what you just said a minute ago um, leads me to believe that you're kind of in the camp where I'm at, where you don't have to go all the way. You don't have to run 100 plays a game the way Wake Forest did the other night in their loss to Louisville. Um, so give us your thoughts on scheme. Uh, what scheme is best? Is there a scheme that is best? Um, and more significantly, if you don't have an offensive line that is even somewhat competent, which is the situation this year, can any scheme work? Well, here, my take on that is now I'm not a big guy. I'm not a big proponent of scheming, uh, uh, out scheming uh, a team or whatever. When it comes down to it, to be quite honest with you, I mean, you have a, you can have as many schemes and, and different variations of formations as well, but you've got to have players that can play the game. I, I, I guarantee you teams like Alabama, they don't scheme anybody. What they do is they line up, here's what we're going to do, and you can't stop us. And you know what? We used to be that way. We didn't out-scheme you. Yeah, we had a, we had a pro-style offense. You know, we ran a lot of two and three wides. But it was a point in time where we said, listen, we're going to line up Lamar, we're going to line up Dale, we're going to line up Wesley Carroll, uh, and we're going to throw the ball deep and you can't stop us. Or, you know, we're going to put Steve McGuire or we're going to put Leonard Conley in the backfield and we're going to run this two-tight set or we're going to you know, have the tight end to the left or the right 
and we're coming your way and you can't do anything about it. I mean, I, I just, just I believe that you can scheme all you want, but eventually you're going to have to have the horses up front to run the kind of offense that you want. And that's what's concerning to me that Miami uh, used to have the horses, and it would be nice if we could get some back. Yeah, so the question has been coming up for the last year or two or three with the recruiting. Miami's losing a lot of their local kids. Now, the offensive line guys, they don't have to get them from Miami. The skilled people, yes. Why is it so tough for Miami to get offensive linemen, in your opinion? Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, and I was talking about this on uh, somebody else's radio show about two weeks ago, and I, I think it boils down to the fact that Florida is, is the king when it comes to any kind of skill set when it comes to wide receivers, DBs, running backs, or whatever, or even quarterbacks. But you know what? I'll, if, if up north they do it, but down south they don't do it as much. They don't have anything that, that correlates to offensive linemen that you can develop while they're young here in the state of Florida. I, I mean, they used, to, they used to have the down and dirty and all that kind of stuff. But I, 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 think that, I think a lot of these offensive linemen have got to be developed at a very young age. Uh, and then move into high school and do the same thing, and then by the time they get to college, they're ready to go. I, I just think that the the well is—I ain't gonna say the well is dry when it comes to offensive linemen in the state of Florida, because I'm sure there's some outstanding offensive linemen. I just don't think there's enough, and I think that if they had something that could, they could develop while they're young, you're probably because you, the seven on sevens here in Florida. I mean, they're elite, and these kids go through there through Pop Warner from eighth grade all the way until they go into college, and then their skill set. Is, is is established. I don't think they have anything like that for offensive linemen here in the state of Florida, and and that's unfortunate. So, in other words, we got to start heading north, which is well, brought up. Oh, you can head north, or, or me and you, Bruce, we can just set up some linemen camps and, and get these kids going. Okay. I'll bring, I'll bring <laughs> this to singing up in wings. We'll make it happen. <laughs> you know, well, you know, there, there, there's not a lot of them. Um, They've got a commitment from a kid named Jalen Rivers, who's actually up there near you, Leon, and at Oakleaf up in the Jacksonville area. Uh, he's going to be coming, and he's a big tackle kid who's a really nice prospect. But here, oh yeah, I've seen him. I've seen that kid. He's big. He's a you, good kid. Did you like him? Yeah, I liked him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good we, prospect. We do a high school show up there too. Yeah, we do a high school show up here too. So I saw some film on him. So, but there's there's three kids right now in South Florida who are good enough offensive linemen to be recruited by a, a reasonable level of Division I school. Um, there's the Jonathan Dennis kid at South Dade. He was committed to Miami for a while, decommitted, and now he's going to Oregon. Okay. Then there's the Isaiah Walker kid who Miami couldn't have worked harder on all through the summer. He just committed to Oh, sorry. He just I committed just, to, something just came up. <laughs> he just committed to Florida for whatever reason, for whatever reason. And um you know, Leon's not naive. <laughs> but um and th- and then there's a third, Marcus Tate up at university school who just committed. He's a 2021 kid and he just committed to Clemson. So, when your best in South Florida aren't staying home and now you got to go out, it, it just it gets it gets tough. Yeah, it does get tough. And, I mean, the only remedy for that, to be quite honest with you, is winning. And, I I mean, Miami, I mean, uh, you know, we've got to do a lot more of that. These kids, they watch film. They watch TV. 
And there's no real reason to stay in South Florida if the school that you you grew up with is not winning enough football games. The difference between, I mean, there's a lot of difference between when I was coming out nowadays because, you know, TV and all that other kind of stuff. But a lot of the main reason why we were able to keep a lot of the kids down here in South Florida at the University of Miami because we were winning. We were winning a lot of football games. Miami can't, they can't compete against the Clemsons and the Oregons and Alabama and LSUs of the world with six or seven wins a season. When these teams are playing for championships and winning conference championships, I mean, these kids don't want, I mean, the main, the main reason when I, when I came out of college, when I came out of high school, my two visits were Miami and Florida State. And the reason why I didn't go to Florida State is because the whole time I was there, all they talked about is how they couldn't beat Miami. And I said, the hell with this. I'm not going to come to the school where they can't beat the other schools. So I chose Miami. Same thing with these kids nowadays. They can't. They don't want to stay in Miami if they're not winning football games. So hopefully that can change. And if you're if you become an elite power like a Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and then you'll keep a lot of these kids. You'll keep a lot of these kids in South Florida. But right now, there's been a mad exodus of talent. That's going elsewhere because Miami's not winning enough football games. Yeah, and, and, what and the sad does, part of it is, I don't know if they're going to get there anytime soon. It's been a long, long time. Well, I mean, I it's agree. not that hard. It's, they're not playing an elite schedule. It's like they're not playing a very difficult schedule. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard to get to 10 wins year after year after year playing in the ACC where there's one team that is a cut above everybody else, and everybody else is just average. But the problem is, it comes back to what Leon's talking about. And I, I keep saying this over and over every week, Leon, if you're not recruiting a reasonable number of elite football players that take your team to the next level, you're going to spend your whole life in win some, lose some mode. And, you know, 2017, yeah, yeah 2017, we got a few extra bounces and we, we, we got, we got nine wins or 10, 10 wins rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, we didn't get the bounces. We went back to seven. This year, we lost to Virginia Tech, lost to North Carolina, lost to Florida. We beat Virginia. Uh, you know, it's win some, lose some. Yeah, but there's gotta be, you got to look at the coaching staff, too, and, the, rec- and the, the ability of the staff to recruit. It all works together. Winning is great, but you got to get there. How do you get there? You have to have the coaches that can coach these guys up. You know, Butch had, had one foot in quicksand when he got here, and he winds up with 38, what, 38 draft picks out of the 70-something on that roster in 2000, 2001. And that's coaching and coaching the kids up. Leon? Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I mean, you can you – can, uh, the higher – everybody was talking about the higher Manny Diaz and everything like that. Listen, Manny Diaz is the figurehead of the, of the so-called franchise or the, or the CEO, but – the assistant coaches, their ability to coach the, the players and hold them accountable to making plays and not making mistakes, that's the key. reason why we were so successful when I played is because our, coach, our assistant coaching staff was outstanding. Our GAs were outstanding. I mean, when you got GAs like Tommy Tuberville and Ed Ogeron as your GAs, I mean, you're going you're gonna to do some things. So, yeah, I agree with you as far as getting the recruits and getting the guys to come down here and keep a lot of talent in South Florida, but you got to have the assistant coaches in check and make sure you get the most out of these players on every Saturday. Yeah, and, and I thought when, when they hired Randy and they fired Randy, they swore off no more coaches without head coaching experience, and yet they ran after Manny Diaz. I, I like him as a defensive coordinator. 
He's inexperienced, and I don't know if he's ever – he hasn't won anything as a coach. So what does he bring to the table? One of the prior callers says he goes into somebody's house, and you got Saban in the room, and the, and the guy from Georgia in the room, and this guy's in the room, and then here comes Manny Diaz. What does he want? What does he show these parents that he's done in the past? He, I, me, I wish he would have stayed at Temple. We would have gone after a head coach with experience. But that's just my opinion. Well, I, I mean, I, I, his lack of, of, of head coaching experience is a concern. But if you look at Manny Diaz's resume at University of Miami, especially as a defensive side of the ball, I mean, he's kept Miami in the top ten over his tenure as a defensive coordinator over the last few years. So he's done his job. I mean, he's done his job as a decent coordinator. Now, the verdict is still out on him as a head coach because we're only, what, midway through the season and we're 3-3. Three and three. Well, if you're 3-3, three and three, well, we, we should have – we had an opportunity to win against North Carolina, and we gave up a fourth and 17, which was, which was just outrageous. Um, we went toe-to-toe with Florida, even though we gave up 11 sacks and had to turn over the ball. And we still had a chance to win that game. And the missed and field goals just, in both of those games. And then we missed field goals. Then Virginia Tech, you, you're down 28 to nothing. You go and supposedly tie the game up you, to take the lead, and then you miss an extra point. And, they, and what's just discouraging about that whole thing with Virginia Tech is that Virginia Tech, that whole second half, what is it? They, they, didn't, they didn't get – I don't think they moved past the 50-yard line and didn't the, the last drive of the game. With everything on the line, they give up a touchdown. It doesn't make any sense to me. So, as much as we can say uh, Manny Diaz hasn't done an adequate job as a head coach, uh, he's kept his team in ball games. I don't think we've been blown out, but that's not good enough for the standards. If, if, if the standards of Miami cannot be just good enough, three and three, until the bar is raised, until there's accountability held on both sides of the ball, uh, Miami's just going to be. Um, is going to be, you know, Clemson is going to be the bride, and the bride, and Miami is going to be the bridesmaid for a very, 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 very long time. And Let's unless go. something changes, something's got to change. You're, 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 you're so right, Leon. You listen, hey. hey, listen, Clemson owns the ACC. They yes, own. They do. Yes, they do. And and they're not going anywhere. That program is so well run. Uh, I know the athletic director there extremely well. We went to Miami at the same time. Um, and, you know, he's he's one of the best athletic directors now in the country. And he's only going to keep working with Dabo and those guys to just keep building on what they're doing. They, they, aren't, they aren't going anywhere. Hey, Leon, be, before we let you go, I, I, I did want to ask you something. You know, you dipped your toes into coaching um, back, mm-hmm. you, you, met, you know, at FIU. And after the things didn't work out there and, and, and Don Strzok got fired and everything, you, you ran hard in the other direction. And you, you decided not to pursue a career as a coach. Talk a little bit about, you know, that period of your life, why you decided to coach, and, and I guess why you decided coaching might not be for you. Um, well, I got the opportunity to coach. Uh, I actually, um, actually sent my resume in. Who does that anymore? I sent my resume in, and Don Strzok picked it up. And Hurley Brown and Bernard Clark were there already. And Don Strzok asked about me, brought me in for an interview, and gave me the job. I was I was out of football, was bored, and uh, basically needed a job. So I went in there, and I enjoyed everything about coaching. I love coaching. I, I love putting 
programs together. We're not, you know, putting programs together for the kids and techniques and fundamentals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I love the spirit of it. I love the the whole camaraderie of the offensive line coming together and winning a football game and everything. The only thing that was a grind for me was probably recruiting. Recruiting was a real grind for me. And I'm going to tell you the reason why it was. Uh, essentially, it was a grind for me because uh, FIU was kind of new to the game when I started recruiting. And um, I had to make a, a lot of promises that ultimately didn't uh, come to fruition to a lot of kids in front of their parents, and I had a problem with that. Uh, because I was essentially lying to them about stuff that we were going to be having, new stadium, new facilities, new this, new that. And uh, I, I, that was very, very discouraging for me. Um, I, always, I always get the bug to uh, want to coach again. Uh, and maybe I will. I'm not sure. I, I know that um, next next summer, I'm, I'm kind of plugging this right now. I know next summer, Vaselli and I are having a book in, a booking academy here in Jacksonville where we're going to be training offensive linemen year-round. So maybe that that whole scenario of getting back into coaching and putting diagramming uh, programs for offensive linemen uh, to do stuff will give me the little kick. But I'm, I think I'm through with coaching. I think uh, I, I'm more into the mentoring mode now. And when Baselli and I do this booking academy up here in Jacksonville, uh, they're giving the opportunity again to work with kids and work with their feet and their fundamentals and all that kind of stuff. Alrighty, guys. Well, Leon, it's been awesome having you on once again, and um, please come back in the future. I, I mean, your insight is incredible, and you know, you you, you keep it real, and and that's I, I think great for the audience. And uh, I'm glad to hear you're doing so well in in Jacksonville. Lunch with Leon. Yeah. I got to get up. I got to get up there and listen sometime. Although they probably stream well, it on the know. internet, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if y'all know this, but we just traded Jalen Ramsey. Oh, you did to who? Uh the Rams. We just traded him about uh, about thirty minutes ago to the Rams for two for a first round pick next year, first round pick in twenty twenty one, and a fourth wow. round pick in uh, um, the next year. So that's that's a lot you know, for a guy that doesn't want to be there anymore. Well, you know, I, I kind of figured that if they were going to get they were going to trade them, it was going to probably be this week because. He had a heart-to-heart with the owner about playing that Sunday against the Saints, and I guess he told the owner he was going to play, and he didn't play, and I think the owner just said, okay, enough is enough. He's got to go. Yeah. Hmm. Well, also, some more big news is that Leon's the honorary captain Saturday at the Georgia Tech game. That's at right. At noon at the stadium because they're honoring the 89 national championship team. So everybody come out, and you see Leon and a lot of his former teammates will be there. That's, that's going to yeah. be great. Oh, I'm mean, I'm going to enjoy it, man. I'm very humbled and grateful for the honor, especially on that '89 team. That was a great, that was a great championship team. Well, look, we better not lose, or else you're not coming to dinner. Well, <laughs> I don't like, I don't like threats, Bruce. <laughs> I, I know, and I didn't make one. <laughs> I didn't make one. Nobody heard me say that, did they? <laughs> All, All right, right, buddy. Well, I'll see you. Hey, thank you so much, Le- Leon. We'll see you at the stadium on uh, on Saturday. All right, appreciate it, gentlemen. Y'all be good. All thank right, you guys. Okay, talk to you soon. The great Leon Searcy. That was the Sicilian Oven point counterpoint. And uh, you can bet the ranch Leon's going to make a stop at Sicilian Oven while he's in South Florida. And I would make another wager that Bruce will be right there, ready to pick up the tab, hopefully. 
Um, but yeah, now we thank Leon so much for coming on the show. You could just see his knowledge and, and what he, what he brings, um, to us. So, um, can't thank him enough for joining us tonight. All right, let's get back to your calls. 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. You hit the one on your keypad. If you would like to come on the show, let's go out to the 917. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's up? BK Hurricane. Hey, what's up, BK? Talk to us. <laughs> I'm not going to be as down as I was last week, but, you know, um. You know, I'm listening to the show. There's a lot of good points today. You know, today um, we're having a real good show going right now. I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that I've just been noticing throughout the weeks, just watching the game. And a couple of interesting points that you said, actually, how um, Miami is not recruiting on the level of you know the Clemsons, the Georgias, you know teams like that, and we're not even looking at the same kids. LSU. So I mean, you could you could put a lineup of, of at least ten of them together. Right, Ohio State, yeah, yeah this goes yeah. on. But, but one interesting point is if we're not recruiting on the, on, you know, those type of kids, the least we could do is have assistant coaches or coaches that are good teachers. And I think that's where the coaching staff is lacking. Like I, I kind of brought up a point last week about us missing Jess Simpson. And it became even more evident this Saturday watching the linebackers play because I didn't realize how much, you know, pressure the defensive line from two prior years took off of the linebackers. And you're really starting to see our linebackers becoming exposed. Like, Pickney hasn't progressed much since uh, since his freshman year, and neither has Shaq Quarterman. They haven't progressed much since their freshman, since their freshman year. But now it's becoming more evident because more – Play, more, more, more athletes from the um, from the opposite team are making it into the second level, and they're being exposed, as opposed to prior years where you didn't see that many athletes making it into the second level because we let co- we let college football in tackles for loss. Our defensive line probably led college football in just all around tackle numbers, and those both those numbers are down this year, and that's putting more pressure on Kate. And, and Shaq, and we're starting to see that maybe they weren't as hyped up as they should have been, and maybe it was our defensive line all along. You know, yeah, the, I mean, the, the, you know, the defensive line has not played great this year. I mean, I thought they played very well against Virginia, but if we look at it honestly, and some pro, pro scouts so that I average. some pro, well. All right. Well, let's start with let's start with the tackles, okay? Because it, it begins inside, okay? All right. Bethel has been as pedestrian as you could possibly be the whole year. I can't remember him making one play. I mean, I'm just being honest. Okay. He's he he's a rotate he is a rotation guy. He should be playing 15 snaps a game. Okay. Um. Ford has been until the other day when I thought he took it up a notch and we saw the best Ford we've seen this year. I mean, he, he's been pretty average as can be. So Vera has been out. So, you know, and, and Jordan Miller's kind of, he hasn't been too bad, but he's working his way in. He's a young player. So they haven't had great defensive tackle play at all. Okay. Garvin, Garvin has been good, but Garvin was a guy you were expecting to be elite. Okay. And, and he hasn't been. Um, 
Hill is. Let me just finish. Hey, Hill has taken a, a few weeks to get hit hit a stride. I think he's played pretty well the last couple games. Um, Patchen is steady as can be, but not spectacular. And then you get to Russo, who's the best player on the roster, who was playing 15, 20 snaps a game up until this past week when he went 50 plus. So. You know, I think that that's a big part of what, you know why it's been the way you're describing it. Right, and and because our defensive tackles, our our interior linemen aren't as good as what we had prior years. Now teams are going in saying, well, we only have to protect. Um, you know, we only have to make sure that um, Russo and 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 what's the other kid? Um, Jesus, Gar- Garvin. Russo, Garvin, and Hill, and Patchen. Those are the four Don't abuse us. Right. Don't abuse us. And they can pretty much let the defensive tackles do what they do because they're not afraid of our defensive tackles as opposed to prior years. Well, tell me one play this year where a defensive tackle has beaten his man off the ball and surged into the backfield and made a big play. I can think of a couple plays, and that was when Russo was playing defensive tackle. In third down pass rush situations, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know when they were moving him on the inside. Yeah, yeah. on third down, on third and long. Right. Yeah, that when he the, came in and pass right. Right, that was the only time. You know, like that was the only time we could say that when they moved Russo on the inside because he's in the he's our only elite athlete on the team. Correct. Maybe Brevin Jordan, but, but he's yeah, Brevin Jordan is, is, is on the team. No doubt. Right, and, and and just one other thing that you know that you know that a lot of guys mentioned, I think even yourself, like you know even you know when you look at you know like when Mark Rick, you know like when we acquired Mark Rick, right? At the time, I don't think Mark Rick was the best coach that we could have gotten, but it was an opportunity that that the university felt that they couldn't pass up on because Mark Rick, proven winner, proven winner. He's a, you know, he's a Miami, you know, he's a Miami alum, so they felt that they might have hit a home run. But in the sense of it is, you know, we had a lot of good coaches that wanted this job. Yep. A lot of good coaches wanted this job, even when Manny Diaz, um, um, even when Rick left, a lot of great coaches wanted this job, and then we did the same thing. We went with, you know, the hometown guy, you know, let's choose Manny Diaz. So that's something that starts from the top. You're seeing that attitude from the top trickle down even into our coaching staff. But I have a strong feeling that Manny Diaz is going to break that trend this year because just like you said, I don't think Enos is going to make it into next year only because I think he's going to try to try to protect his well, his, you know, his, his, repu- his reputation. Yeah, I his mean, he's got, a multi- he's got a multi-year contract. Uh, so I'm not Somebody sure. Somebody maybe. Buy it out. Maybe. So, maybe. Somebody, one of these big time schools with money to throw around, because and it's not that hard to find too many schools with money to throw around more than Miami. You know, will buy it out and he'll be gone, and that might be a blessing in disguise. I don't know, man. He's the best coach on the staff. I'm just telling you, he is well, the best he, coach he is, on the. He is the best he, coach on he, the staff. I mean, you watch practice and watch that guy coach. I mean, he's coaching at a whole different level. That guy. Right, he's, right, but too, he's a very good coach. Right. He has no yeah, offensive no line. He doesn't have a great quarterback. Uh, how are you supposed to be great uh-huh. on offense? I don't, but, I don't know how. But he, but he handpicked that uh, that offensive line. He handpicked line. two. Yeah. 
See, but, but they don't. But 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 they have. They don't have. A, they don't have a lot to work with up there. You, you know, know I mean, I mean, they're playing two true. true fre- they're playing two true freshmen. That tells you how bad the position is personnel-wise. Right. And that's the other thing. I don't want to say that 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 you know in regards to the recruiting, right? Specifically on the offensive line. If you look at our offensive line recruiting, it hasn't been that bad. I mean, we got, you know, we had a couple of, you know, misses, like Cleveland Reed just picks up and leaves the team, a four-star recruit. Campbell's a good kid. Tim here on Herbert, everybody in the country wanted this kid. So we have, we had the recruits coming out of high school, but for some strange reason, it didn't translate into yep. them performing well in college. So recruiting is a part of it, but specifically on the offensive line, I think that we haven't had a good teacher on the offensive line since Art Kehoe. And over the last, if you look at the last 10 years, Art Kehoe is probably the best offensive line we, we've had in Miami. And we and we just jettisoned him, you know what I'm saying? But at least he was able to teach these things. Well, the, 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 the recruiting of today became kind of tough for him, I mean, in fairness. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I and yeah. I, it, I, it, I love Art. Art, Art. Art was a great offensive line coach for many, many, many years. Um, the, the the what what coaches have to do in today's game in recruiting, I'm not sure that mixes very well with Art Keo. Right. I think it did become tough, but I think Manny Diaz is going to pull the trigger at the end of the year. I think he's going to pull the trigger and say, you know what, I hope so, because Les Miles did it five games in. I didn't realize this last week when I spoke to you. Les Miles fired his coordinator. The next next six weeks will determine a lot, I think. You know, I I don't think we know how – I don't think we know yet how it's going to go. All right, BK, thanks as always for being part of the show, man. No problem. Give me a look. Yep, give us a call next week. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. 706, you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, next time. Let's go to the 916. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Jerry, what's going on, man? How you doing? It's Roland from New Doing great. Who's this? Roland? Roland from New Orleans. Yep. What's up, man? Welcome back. What you got for us tonight? Man, I was in uh, Vegas watching the game, and uh, I called two uh, past hurricanes, and I said, what the hell is this? <laughs> one told me, he was speechless. Another one told me, he said, man, I'm, I, it's, it's coaching. It's definitely coaching, and and it's also recruiting. Which game are you talking and about? I, you talking about the Virginia game the other night? Yeah, that Virginia game. That Virginia game. Offensive. Well, we won. It was a, I know they won, but damn, Gary, when you it, it didn't. Even, one thing somebody said, and it wasn't even a, a. It was a casual fan. They said, you know, I, I, I've seen Miami in the, in the past. You know, in the past years. You know, obviously in '90s, and that aggressiveness, that 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 assertiveness, that you know, just being a dog. This team, these teams, they don't, they don't, they don't exhibit that. Like, like leadership, the the, the aggression. It's almost like, uh, you know, it was it. Going from watching that game to watching, you know what? You know, I'm gonna be honest with you. 
that Virginia Miami game was like a Pac-10 game. That's not, and that's not Miami football. That's not Miami football. It, it, I mean, it's just, it was just soft as hell, Gary. I mean, I, I'm not I, I don't think it was soft. Kidding. I mean, Virginia's a tough physical Gary, team. I don't. Soft isn't the right Gary, word. Some, we keep talking about Virginia, Gary. We are Virgi- Virginia. I, I can. It's to the point where I, I can watch that offensive line at Wisconsin and say, "Damn, they're moving guys. They're moving guys every single play. They're giving protection." And no, no, no disrespect to, to Wisconsin brand whatsoever, but that Miami brand and that name carries a lot of weight. And they need to get once the season is over with, and, and that's the question I wish you to ask uh, Manny Diaz. Um, when are they gonna get some get some guys re- that's gonna recruit some old linemen, or just some aggressive ass recruiters? Uh, you got, I mean, they they have to, man. I mean, from a depth standpoint, that the old line. Every time a the quarterback, they can't even. He he can't even. He can only sit back. What two two or three seconds max? It's pressure on every single play, every single play. Even but every Bethune Cookman, Central Michigan. We talking about schools that Miami should be putting fifty on their asses, and it's just it's the same. It, it, oh man, you know I mean the it, that that offensive line. Oh man, oh it was just uh. And, you, and and I almost felt like okay, it's gonna get better next week. Didn't give it another week, but I'm at the point where you know I'm still you know gonna support the team absolutely. But it's nothing they can do with that offensive line, Gary. It's nothing they can do. And you know, I, that's what it, I've been it, saying. It, yeah, that's, that's what I was done. talking about it's tonight. Done. I mean, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I asked Leon Searcy too. I was like, how do you run offense without an offensive line? I don't they care can, what scheme. They, they can And what about the running back? I mean, the fullback out of Georgia. Is he not playing? Uh, uh, the freshman, or well, I think he's a sophomore he, this year. He, Enos clearly doesn't like him because they're not using him at all. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. Well, let me, this is a, this is a question for you, as it relates to uh, Manny Diaz. I know they're not going. Of course, they're not going to get rid of him. And you know, it's his first year, and you know, for, you know, he needs to get his guys in. What's your What's your um, standpoint on um, if it's another year? Similar to what it is next year, will they? Will, you think they'll give him a third year, or do you think they'll just say they'll pull a plug? Uh, I think they got to give him at least three years, maybe four. But I think you know we just got to see how it goes. I don't want to speculate. Four years, Gary? Well, I don't want to speculate because we don't know how these years yeah. are going to go. We don't. We just don't know, Roland. We don't know what's going to happen from here. Um, so uh, there's no point in us speculating on that. I mean, he's definitely going to get a few, you know, at, at least three, I would think. I mean, I don't know how you hire somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know how. I mean, unless it all fall, totally falls apart. I don't like, you know, but let's just see how it goes. Let, let, you know, let, 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 let's table that conversation, you know, and just just see how it goes. There's no point in discussing that now. And I think what, you know, the, the what if. And Georgia Tech game is going to be closer than what you think. I promise you that. It it shouldn't be, but we'll see. All right, Roland. It shouldn't be, yeah. All right, man. Just keep me on hold. Yep. Give us a call next week. We'll talk about it. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good one. Let's go to the 239. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? How are you, Joe, from Naples? Hey, what's up, Joe? Welcome back. What you got for us this week? 
just want to talk a little bit. <clears throat> I know everybody's harping about uh, the coaching, and I'm gonna I'm gonna echo it just a little bit. Um, and you touched a little bit on it a couple of weeks ago as well, with the the lack of um, seniority of coaching. You know, the the old traditional you know backbone of coach. You know, I know Enos was the head coach for a couple of years, five years. You have that older gentleman on defense. But it just seems, you know, it seems like continually. Did Mendenhall, did you hear? Because someone told me that Mendenhall made a comment of, in halftime that he already figured out an offense. Did you hear anything about that? Did anybody make a comment on that yet? No. What, he, what did he say? Okay. <laughs> to my understanding, he said that uh, at halftime when he got interviewed in ESPN that um, – I was at the game, so I didn't, I, I, and I didn't record it. Uh, that uh, Mendenhall said that uh, he already figured out, or something to the extent that he figured out Miami's offense, or something. Um, you know, derogatory about our coaching staff. But my question to you is, I'll, I'll get off that. But my my question to you is the tight ends. What happened with Mallory, and why? When we throw to them, it seems like we 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 do well. We had a couple of plays with with. Uh, uh, with um, the other tight end, but it just doesn't seem like we're clicking at all all cylinders on the offensive side of the ball. Well, I mean, Mallory was not clearly not in the game plan last week. Um, The game plan was built around those quick passes to the wideouts that they kept throwing over and over and over again. And they, and they were working every time. So uh, there really wasn't a lot of reason to go away from that. Uh, I think the only issue with that style of offense is that, if you only are going to take two or three shots down the field in an entire football game, and then your quarterback blows those opportunities because they were there and you should have gotten a couple big plays out of it. um, Your game plan that was sort of successful, really, if you think about it, I mean, and all those short passes to the wideouts all worked and, you know, I mean, they were successful at times, but uh, it's it's going to impact the entire perspective in terms of the entire game. And, w- you know, when you look at 260 yards of offense, I think, you know, 250, 260, it's not a lot. You know, that's really not a lot mm-hmm. in today's world of college football. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, man. That's pretty much all I had. You guys covered everything else. Good show tonight. and uh, Just put me on hold. Thanks, man. Give us a call next week. Let's go to the 615. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? What's up, Gary? How you doing, man? Doing great. Who's this? This is Brian from Atlanta. Actually, I have a Nashville number, but I live in Atlanta. Oh, okay. What's up, Brian? Not much, man. I appreciate you having me on. I've only called maybe a couple times over the years, so uh, I just had a couple quick points and then some stuff I want to talk about. Uh, I do think that on a quarterback position, I think Jaron should be the guy. Um, I know his arm strength is not, you know, what we would love. He needs to clean up the clean up the deep ball a little bit, I think. And I just feel like when the pocket's clean, you know, I feel like I feel confident when when he's back there throwing the ball when the pocket's clean, like because. I remember that stat earlier in the season where, like, with a clean pocket, he was something like 80%, 90% accuracy or something crazy. Like, yeah, he has the accuracy, you know, When and then I, uh, obviously the, the, the asterisk is when the pocket is clean. But when it is clean, 
he's deadly accurate, right? And I feel like I haven't felt that confidence when a quarterback back there since probably Brad Kiner. You know what I mean? Like, you, 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 I remember the years I would hold my breath when the league goes back to hold my breath when the cozy drops back. But with Jaron, I don't really have that 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 feeling. Like, that, that, that Virginia Tech game, that first quarter was sort of an anomaly, really. You know what I mean? I don't know what happened with that, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, well, I'll tell you what happened. They spent two weeks working on deep throws, <laughs> and and right. they're, they're trying they're trying to make the offense more explosive, and they spent two weeks working on deep throws, and you know Jaron comes out there all fired up, you know, ready to you know execute what he's been working on for two weeks, right. and and Virginia Tech did a good job covering the routes, and he didn't throw good balls. Yeah, I mean that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, deep, and, yeah. He was forcing it. Yeah, even the deep ball, even the deep ball he threw the pick on. I mean, he he just threw either with the deep ball he threw the pick on. If he just laid it out there to whether either at the end of the end zone where, where Wiggins catches it or nobody catches it, it would have been you know either a touchdown or an incomplete pass. But he just yep. tried to throw touch on it, and he you know it is what it is. Um, he was for, he was forcing he said, the, the he was forcing the throws. They weren't there. In, yeah. Instead of doing what he was doing earlier in the year, which was you know taking his checkdowns and and completing passes. But in fairness right. to Jaron, um, that's what they were they were trying. You know, they're not trying to have 250 yards of offense. Like they want to be yeah. an aggressive, high powered offensive football team. So I think the forces just kind of collided there, and 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 the residual damage was his stat sheet. And he got pulled from the game. And, um, you know, part of that might have been him being hurt. But this whole, like, debate about should he start now or should he not start now, here's the way I look at it, okay? You had a competition in the spring, in the summer, and in the fall. And at the, and at the end of that competition, you made a determination, Jaron Williams is, is our guy. We're going with Jaron, okay? And Manny has been very consistent with that. He's always – that's how he always answers the question. Now, you know, yeah. the, that doesn't mean that Jaron's going to start Saturday. If Jaron doesn't seem 100% physically and doesn't have a great week of practice, they might roll Nicosi out there. And we speak to Manny again tomorrow. It's going to be interesting to see if he names a starting quarterback tomorrow like he did on uh, last week in the middle of the week. Um, but yeah. um, I think he's taken the right approach. I really do. He, yeah, I know he did not like the jerking in and out that went on last year. You know where yeah. Malik's the guy, then Nikosi's the guy, then Malik's the guy. No, the team never knew who the guy was. Okay, Manny's been consistent. Yeah. He's he he consistently is saying Jaron's the guy. Yeah, and I don't think you can run an offense that way. I mean, we saw what it was last year. Either you stick with Malik and, and you live with his limitations, or you stick with Cozy and you live with his limitations, and it is what it is. But if you well, go you know what my you know what my forth, opinion on that was, and I and I and I didn't play yeah, Monday yeah, morning no. quarterback either. I mean, I took a, I've taken to this day. I'm still taking a lot of junk from some of these guys on the board. But you know, as soon as he started doing that in the middle of the season last year, I I. I I said I didn't like it, and I said the season was going to go down the tubes because of it, and it did. Yeah. So I uh, think you're right. I think you're 100% yeah. spot on. Yeah. Russo needs to start more obviously with passion. That's a no-brainer at this point. Uh, I agree with you that it is it is year four of Mark Rick because just this this recruiting season hasn't really come to fruition yet. But next year is all on Manny moving forward. You know, it's, it's all his show. Um, also, one thing that sort of irked me, like. I mean, we get in the red zone and we're throwing fade routes to, to KJ Osborne. I mean, what's up with Hightower and Wiggins? Those guys are bigger, they're longer. Presumably, they should be able to jump 
higher that you know they're the closest thing we had to Lawrence Cager. So why are we throwing fade routes to KJ Osborne? Like I, I don't I don't get that. That's something he's the best receiver. He's probably the best receiver on the team right now. That's why. Yeah, I get it, but I mean, you know, you lose Cager last year, and obviously he's doing what he's doing at Georgia. And we're throwing fade routes to a guy who's not as tall as the guy. And he's the same height as the guy he's going up against. Uh, yeah, know, but, but maybe those guys um, haven't proven that they can go up and get it. Just because they're tall doesn't mean they can do it. You know, do it well or do it consistently. I, so, but, I mean, I'm not saying know, one way or the uh, other. I'm just saying, I, you know, K.J. Osborne, to me, is the best all-around receiver on the team. No, no, right he, he, is. Runs, he is. Runs now, the best routes. He's got the best hands. He's reliable. Right. Yeah, so. Oh yeah, I know. I'm just saying from a height, weight, speed standpoint. Like it just, it just, it would be a, a bigger catch radius, I would think, if, if, yeah. if a couple of those other guys were out there. Um, and also with the with the red, I think the red shirting. I'm going to I'm going to transition here to the red shirting of the offensive line. Um, I still can't understand how Campbell, Herbert, Reed, Hillary, and Baxter all get passed up. Do you think that's a situation where they literally were just not as good as Jakai Clark and Zion, or is it or is it a situation where? The, oh no! The it's because they weren't good. There's no question. It's because they were not good. I mean, you don't throw true freshmen out there like this unless you absolutely have to. And you're seeing what's happening. I mean, it's not a surprise. But I remember, I remember all the fanfare about these guys coming in. I remember Rick redshirting all of them because he had a he had a vision of what the offensive line was going to be. And then this new coaching staff comes in, and all of a sudden, this true two true freshmen out there. I mean, it almost feels like if well, Ja'Kai Clark and Zion Nelson are good enough to play right now, why not redshirt them? Because if they're, good enough, if, they're, if they're good enough to play now, they're good enough to play next year. Why are we having such why – we, why are we rushing guys out there like Manny's on the hot seat? If, if he's not on the hot seat, put guys out there that, that may not be necessarily the best, but your future will be better because you're redshirting Zion, you're redshirting, you know, Ja'Kai Clark. Like, why, why – why are we like we keep playing these teams like Virginia and Boston College and wondering why we're struggling with them because they get three star guys and sit them on the bench for three years. You know they don't have a problem with sitting guys on the bench because they're not on the hot seat. Whereas with Miami, as soon as we get a four star, five star, we're rushing them out on the field like 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 we're afraid to lose them. You yep. know what I mean? Like like it has to be a, you have to get to a point where well, you you heard what Leon said. Leon played well, eleven yeah, years in the national sure. in the National Football League and he didn't touch the field to his third year. And I know I know times have changed, and I'm not I'm not one of these guys that you know says get off my lawn. But if you set an expectation when you go into a kid's house on his recruiting trip of, listen, we're going to start a new, you know, mindset of we're going to redshirt guys. If you if the only way you're going to play is if you are just you know Brian McKinney come again, like you just you're just head and shoulders above everybody else, then you will play. Outside of that, you're going to redshirt. And if you set that expectation early, then when guys come to school, they're not been out of shape when they don't get all these, you know, these starts. And they're doing it, and that's what I understand is they're doing it on the defensive line. We're seeing, you know, Jafari Harvey get red-shirted. We're seeing, we're seeing some of the defensive tackles from New York get red-shirted. So why is it they're doing it on the defensive side, but they're not doing it on the offensive side? Yeah, I, 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 I think, I I think it's because they were, they were in a panic situation on the offensive line. But just to follow up on what you just said, I think that is the best thing that Manny Diaz is doing as head coach so far. The, the management of the young players is the best that I've seen at this program in a very long mm-hmm. time. I mean, they are redshirting yeah. a lot of these kids, and 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 it's it's a great great idea. And time will tell whether Manny is still here four years from now to reap the benefits mm-hmm. of this. 
but they are they are managing the roster and personnel in the program as well as I've seen it managed in years. Well, that's why I'm hoping that we, we as a fan base, I know it's never going to happen, but I'll put it out there. We as a fan base really need to stop with wanting to recycle something every single time. It doesn't quite work out the way we want it, when we want it. Like, there's no reason to get rid of Enos, all that crazy talk. There's no reason to get rid of Manny, all that crazy. Like, we need to, if you're going to build a culture of, of red-shirting defensive linemen, red-shirting offensive linemen, getting big, grown men up front, it's going to take time. You're not going to be able to do it in one or two years. It has to take time. And, and that's why I'm wondering, another question I have is, do you think that Butch Berry is here for the long haul, or do you think he's going to bounce back to the league? Cause a lot I don't know. I'm more concerned. Coming from the with, league and, I'm more concerned with, with recruiting than anything involving the on-the-field coaching and – and schemes and that kind of thing. I'm concerned about recruiting. Me personally, like yeah. I don't think recruiting is close to good enough. So here's the thing: Don't you think that if if because our, our recruiting for for our, for our like receiver, running back, those things have been relatively, I think, okay compared to the they're okay. Line. Don't you think we? Could... I mean, do you see uh, do you see the next Michael Irvin or Andre Johnson or Reggie Wayne or no. Santana Moss? No, but I mean. Coming into the what program? Is, don't you no. Think we can, don't you think that we can take a mentality like, like you know, like I said, I, I saw, I'll go back to Virginia, Boston College, those teams that their coaches are not on the hot seat, they're not in any rush, right? Can't we have that kind of philosophy when it comes to recruiting linemen and then still go after the big fish, like as far as the receivers, running backs, and all the, the fancy positions? Like, can't we, can't we get blue-collar, three, three-star guys on the offensive line, red-shirt them, and then maybe they're not the, maybe they're not the you know, uh, you know, Evan Neal's of, of the world, but when they're out there, the the, the red shirt sophomore, the red shirt junior, the red shirt seniors, and they just yep. get the guys. Get you the absolutely guys. can. You you, offensive guys. line is is without question a position where you can go out and recruit a three star kid that you do a great job of evaluating and bring right. them in and develop them over a couple of years and turn them into a good player. There's no question about it. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping, but what I'm seeing but is you gotta have the guy, you gotta have the guy the that can do that. You you gotta have the guy sitting in the offensive line office that can go out and do that. And Butch Barry, we'll 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 yeah. see. I mean, they've got three yeah. offensive linemen committed right now, so we'll you know I, yeah. I feel really good about Jalen Rivers. Um, the other two, I, hope he I think shirts, that I hope he red shirts. Yeah, I hope Jalen Rivers but, red shirts. I mean, he, for the sake of the program, he should. Because you got to start that. You got to start that culture now. I think that'll depend on Zion Nelson. That'll depend how Zion Nelson does over the next eight months. Don't don't you think that? uh, I'm going to say one more thing before I go. Don't you you think that Rick kind of did that? Because remember that year that Rick was playing guys like um, who was he playing? He was playing Denzel Bulwer and uh, Hayden Mahoney and Jahir Jones. He, I can't imagine that Rick really thought those guys were the guy. I think he was biding his. I think he was just biding his time. You know, yep. he was like, I got Malik. Let me just put these guys out there, get as many games as I can, red shirt my my my, my guys I really like. And then, and you know, so you, I think when you get an offensive line together, you got to take a year where you might just eat some crap. You know what I mean? And it, well, but you, I, think they, depth, I think they were thinking up. they were doing that when they took these four guys that can't get on the field now. So you got to pick the right guys. Yeah. All right. Well, all right, man. Uh, hey, thank you for uh, being part thing, of the show as I, always. Give, right, give us a call next week. Man. Yep. You got it, man. Right, Bye-bye. Let's go to let's go to the three two one. You're live on Kane Sport Live. 
What's going on, Gary? Doing great. Who's this? He's Gary Tony from uh, Melbourne, Florida. Hey, what's up, Tony? Good to be on with you again. Good to have you. So what do you got tonight? Um, I really just wanted to um, build on what I said last week. Um, we were talking about the defense and Manny getting involved with the defense. Kind of just proved the point to uh, the fact that he should have been involved with the defense from day one. Kind of looked completely different um, against Virginia than we looked against, per se, Virginia Tech, who had a scrambling quarterback who kind of – you know, um, was a scrambler just like the guy we had this week. Um, he actually went his first six passes, like six to six. But, um, you know, they only scored nine points. Um, so, you know, I was, I was proud of watching the game. I was a happy Kane fan. Um, I just wish, you know, I could just tell Eno's, um, you know, Manny Diaz, it, everything is a work in progress, man. Everybody's, like, expecting us to be 2001 Miami Hurricanes win. We don't got that juice no more, man. We don't have the same juice we used to have in the 90s um, and early 2000s. So it's really more along the lines of we got to build that juice again. Um, got to find a way to get it back in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, um, you know, and we're, we as fans, we're coming up with the recipe ourselves. Like, you know, we're Miami. We're not going to go and get, you know, a five-star. We could get maybe one or two five-stars with a season cycle. That would make me happy, but... Um, we need to go and really get on the road. Like, if you think about the NFL draft, there's, what, maybe 10 guys that might make it to the first round. That was a two, three-star. That wasn't a big-time recruited guy. Um, that just goes to say we need to do more when it comes to talent evaluating, um, first of all. Um, that's one of the only things in coaching kids up. And like you were just talking about redshirt kids. That's the only way we're going to get back to – competing with maybe a Clemson because they're beatable, you know. Um, anything that puts their head down, that's a top 10 team that puts their head down for one week is beatable. I mean, you know, Virginia was beatable. You know, I just keep looking at teams that we've lost to, um, you know, like Georgia, I mean, not Georgia, like Florida, who just went and lost um, to LSU when, when they both played toe-to-toe with each other and we played toe-to-toe with Florida. Um, you know, North Carolina, who barely beat us, who, um, you know, we played toe-to-toe with, who played toe-to-toe with Clinton. So it just has to be on a given day that we bring out that talent, man. And I believe we can play with anybody in the country, given our weaknesses. You know, that's how mm-hmm. I feel about the team. All right, man, you got anything else you want to say tonight? Nope. I, um, you know what? I want to add one thing. Um, rest in peace to my little brother, Juice. Um, I kind of got the, adopted his name, you know, carried on. He was a big Kane fan. Uh, rest in peace to my stepfather, Derek Collins, who I um, became a Kane fan by following. And I've been a Kane fan since I've seen Santana Moss um, make plays. I just fell in love when I was a kid. But um, thank you all, Kane fans. Thanks for having me on, Gary. And I'll give you a call right, next man. time. Bro. Yep, we'll do it again next time. Thanks for being part of the show. Let's go to the 954 here on Kane Sport Live. You with us? 954. Going once. Going twice. All right, next week. Let's go to the uh, 561 here on Kane Sport Live. Yo, what's up, Gary? You hear me, man? It's you, man. Who's this? Scooter DuPont, Boca Raton. Hey, what's up, Scooter? Talk to us. What you got? Hey, man. 
Yeah, just a couple comments. Um, all right, I love your writing and stuff, but I just have a, a couple criticisms of you. Um, okay, so you're always talking about this team isn't fired up or, you know, they don't have a passion. And a lot of, like, these older uh, callers. When did I say that? Saying, like, uh, you, I think you wrote a lot about that. that no, never, never, that never, never. There's not one. Wait, let me stop you, Scooter, and then I'll let you continue. Okay. Uh, I'll let you can you can criticize me all you want. Um, I have never, ever, ever felt, and I, if you're talking about this year, that yeah. this team didn't come out and play as hard as they could possibly play. Not once, not for one second, that I feel that well, they didn't show up at the stadium prepared and ready to play hard. Didn't you say something about like they're they're too accepting of losing, like they're too okay with losing? Not me. I don't know. I, I, I didn't sometimes say... I read your. Okay, well. You might be misunderstanding. I appreciate okay. you reading what what I write though, but you might be misunderstanding something I said. But no, I never said that. I don't feel that. So right, no, well, I never said that. On the boards, people talk about that a lot, and I I think that that's a miss. A lot of these people never play sports. I mean, a lot of times when you're playing sports, especially with football, you want to be focused. And what they'll, they'll see is they'll see people winning, like a team winning, and they're having fun on the sidelines and they're joking around. It's because they're winning. And, and what people will do is they'll look at a team losing and they'll look at the players and they're like, what's wrong with these people? How come they're not fired up? You know, the older Canes of old would have been getting in people's faces and yelling at them and taking control of the locker room and stuff like that. And, like, I really feel like that's, that's mis, like a misguided uh, perspective on it. Um, that's actually what – Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, think, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think towards the end of last year, some guys started checking out a little bit with the way that season, you know, went down the drain. I, I think if, but I don't think there's college, been any issues this year. Yeah, if anything in college – uh, these people are too like they're too nervous when they get on the field, and they're not like like letting it calm down and letting uh, things come to them. That's that's if anything. Um, but anyway, um, one other thing I was gonna bring up uh, a couple points of things that you were writing was um, what was the other thing I was gonna say? What what happened to that kid that we got from UCLA? He was like a defensive tackle. He has this weird name. Um, yeah, it's uh, Chinuga. <laughs> I call him Chinuga. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, he's playing. He was out there on. Uh, he was out there the other day. Okay, he's but, but 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 remember something. This is a kid that you got on in the transfer portal, who was an averages can be player the first three years of his career at UCLA. Like, what are you expecting him to do? He's giving you 15 plays a game, 20 plays a game. Like, he's a depth filler. But he's yeah. not going to come here and be uh, – you know, you're not going to get a, a dominant defensive tackle. I mean, you're going to get a depth filler, a guy that you're hoping to get 10, 15 plays a game, just like T.O. last year. Very similar, the kid that came from uh, Illinois. No different. Yeah. Um, and Okay, what do your – I know everybody's – what are your thoughts on Rump in the defensive back situation? Um, I know, it, you know, he gets this thing of like he's this like amazing coach uh, technique and all this, but um, it doesn't seem like we have that quality of recruits that are coming in. And you know, Trey John Bandy, I mean, he's a good little guy, a good little corner or whatever. But what, what are your feelings on Rump? Do you feel like he should be replaced with somebody who might be like a good recruiter? 
Um, I think Mike Rumpf should be a good recruiter. And if he's not a good recruiter, then somebody needs to explain to him why he's not a good recruiter and teach him to be a good recruiter. I mean, Mike Rumpf is a great guy, very personable. He's got a great background. He played in the National Football League. Um, He should be a very good recruiter. Now, I agree with you that his recruiting performance – the last few years has been very average, and and I know that that's been a source of frustration for a lot of people. But you know, my thing there is why why has it been average? And if it has been average, why hasn't somebody taken him under their wing? And why isn't there somebody in the program that could take him under their wing and show him the way? Because Mike Rumpf should uh-huh. be a very good recruiter. And, um, you know, this year, I, I think he's a little bit stuck. I mean, he's got Trajan Bandy, who to me is a slot corner, that he's having to play as a boundary corner, an outside corner, who I don't think is an outside corner. It's just my opinion. And I don't think he has any other answers. So I think they're very challenged at that position. And I think because they are so challenged that position that he is not shining as a coach this year, the way maybe he has in past years and every, and everybody would want him to be shining. Now that said, I thought his guys played pretty well the other night. I don't know, man. Um, who's this recruit that just left? He was like a three-star. He wouldn't even like didn't have, really have that. Yeah, he's a three-star office. kid from from Western that Mike identified and evaluated and liked, and he offered him, and the kid committed, and now he decommitted. So you know, I don't know. What about like the replacement people that he has there? It's like it it, it looks like it's not even that like all that good of a kid. Yeah, I'm very him. I'm very bothered by by some of the stuff I'm seeing in recruiting. I I, I haven't I haven't you know, pulled punches on that. I mean, I don't, I just don't understand. Yeah. You know, like, you know, to me, if you got a scholarship for a cornerback sitting in your back pocket right now, you should be going out and trying to get the best cornerbacks in the United States. Not, you know, not, 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 you know, bottom fishing just because kids are from South Florida or, you know, bottom fishing is probably not fair, but, you know, you're 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 looking to the next level for a layup instead of going and fighting. You know, fighting your life like it's the la- like like your life is on the line for a kid that's going to come in the program and make a big difference. Yeah, you know, and and that's you know that's that's that to me is what is is what's really lacking right now. You know, there's not that there's that's not the mindset that you see and. Uh, I don't think Miami can can get back to being Miami until that changes, until the attitude is that we are going to go recruit the best players in America and we're going to find a way to get our share. And, you know, listen, you got a great university. It's a private school. It's a beautiful it's as beautiful a campus as you could want. Um, oh, man. A great city. Miami, you're you're, you're yeah. building brand new dorms that are going to be like a resort. Okay, the the Miami campus has been upgraded like ridiculously in the last five ten years. You've got a brand oh, new oh. indoor pra- practice facility. You've got a strength coach that is top shelf to help develop kids. I mean, you've got so oh, many man. things going for you at the University of Miami. Like, like why? Like He's why? Living, living in Miami. I mean, look. Yeah. 
would you want to live in Tallahassee or would you want to live in Miami? You know, it's like Miami as a city is always going to be an advantage for us. And then we got all that dope history with like Ed Reed and the uniforms and everything like that. I mean, yeah, like, you know, like, why, why? Honestly, the only thing I think is we're probably not playing dirty like some of these other schools. I, I hate to make that like as a big excuse. But that could really be the thing that, like, never lets us get back to where we were. You know, if you have – it's like people take – I'm not buying it. Know. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it one bit. Why is the basketball no. program squarely in the mix for five-star talents, like like Earl Timberlake Thank from you. Washington, D.C.? Yeah. Okay, that's a five-star kid that can go just about anywhere. A phenomenal talent, Okay. Why? Yeah. Why are they? Why are they right there? You know, they may know, get them. They may not. They may get them. They may not. But they're right in the mix. They got as good a shot as anybody right now to land that kid. You know, now I understand basketball doesn't have to recruit twenty-five kids a year. They recruit two or three kids a year, and and that sort of thing. And it's a whole different deal. But my point is, you have so much of what you need here. So the onus yeah. is on you know, on the program to perform at the level that it should be able to perform, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I don't sit here and make yeah. excuses. I you know, I don't I don't right. I don't buy the oh every kid's getting bought. Okay, well what are they what are they getting bought for? Like what are they taking? You know, I, I, I refuse to believe every kid's getting a hundred thousand dollar check. I mean, come on. There's no way. Yeah. So, you know, like maybe you need to Maybe you need to be selling what you have better. You know, maybe you have yeah. to convince a kid and his family why it's in their best interests. Because you hear it all the time with these kids; they call it a business decision because they're thinking, "What's going to get me to where I need to go in three or four years?" You know, or where I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Now, reality is, most of them won't get there, but they all think they're going to get there. Um, so I, I just don't buy it. Like I, 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 you know, to me, it's it's, you know, f- find a way. Don't just throw your arms up. Yeah. Well, last thing for me, um, you know, I don't know why I watch these games anymore. Um, I mean, the team is, it's like an average. It's like they're like Virginia or something. You know, they're not like this. You know what it was? I think every one of our Kane fans, like we felt the glory of like the 2001 era. And it's like it's like those people that take crack for the first time, and like they they're always chasing that first high. Not that I've ever done shit like that, but you know what I'm saying. So it's like we're all sitting around thinking like that that's gonna come back, and it never does. And if you really look at our team, like the way we recruit and stuff, it's kind of like we're like these one of these middle of the pack. You know, we got our coaching staff in Temple, and we're getting like these yeah, well, yeah. Sometimes it's like yeah, like like is this Purdue? Like, is, is Miami Purdue now? I don't know, you know? That's, that's what sucks so, about it. Yeah, I mean, we're so, all, like... We're all, we're all thinking that we're, we're it's back in the 2000s, and you even see people posting on the board saying this kind of thing. And it's like, oh, you know? but And, and even watching the games, it's not that fun, man. It's more like just anxiety and stress-filled, you know? But hopefully we'll turn right, around. Man. Hopefully, you know, Manny will, will kind of get the ship sailing right, and we'll... we'll Go back to the glory days. It's Manny. It's Manny's show right now, and it's you know, I, yeah. I, like I said earlier, nobody should question he, the want. He wants to make this yeah. program great. 
And dude, and, and everybody wants to fire him after the third game. Like we can't just have these rules. Nah, you can't. You're not gonna, that's not happening. At some that's, point, and just stick nah, that's not reality. Ride or die with him. I think it's gonna be Manny that we're gonna have to just see. Hopefully, this guy will pull it off. But we'll see. We'll see. All right, man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, brother. Let's go out to the seven eight six. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? This is everything. What's up, brother? How are you? Doing good. How are you doing this week? Good, man. I can't believe I've been waiting since seven forty-five to talk to you, man. A lot of people. A lot of people on the show tonight, man. We're that's the seven forty-five, but whatever. Yeah, you're. Right, man. Listen, dude, I, real, I, I brought you. <laughs> keep it real, like I always keep it real with you. It's funny, I, 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 I just really, really have embraced how you, you've changed so much in one year. How uh, everything that I was bitching about and you've been talking about in the summer, that you're just so emphatic about it today with recruiting. I told you all the things that were happening, and I was attacked, attacked. This is what I don't like about the people on Kane Sport. They're not fucking real. Come out now, call in, and let me know and say, God damn, you were fucking right at everything. And nobody does that shit. One or two do it. Bunch of punks on here. All right? I don't think anybody ever doubted your knowledge and the things you were saying. And, and I always felt that you, you know, you're, you're one of the more knowledgeable guys on the site. The problem that you had on the board is you couldn't express your opinions without name-calling, without antagonizing. And, and you became – but you, you, you took it – you took it to the point where you were the most antagonistic figure on the board, and that's your well, fault the most because your knowledge is unquestioned. You you know what the hell I you're talking about. I I tell you this all the time. Like you know what the heck you're talking about, but you were well, so was, nasty to people and so antagonistic and calling people names and everything else that hold on it was it became ineffective. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm a I'm a real king. I don't know, but if you are one, but I am one. You punched me. I knock your ass out. That's how I go. That's how our coaches are supposed to go, whether it's on the board, calling in, whatever it be. And I told you guys, as every kid started going someplace else over the summer, something's not right here. Something's not right here. And I made it clear, the guy to hire who had head coaching experience, who had done this already, is the guy that was in Eugene, who was dying to come here. But again, one nerd, one guy who was in over his head, Blake James, caused this whole issue. Because Manny Diaz, as good as he is as a coordinator, let me give you three examples. Three examples of him still not learning. Three examples of his guys not getting better as a coordinator, as a defensive coach at Patka. End of the half, you've contained them, haven't you? You've done a pretty good job with Virginia on Friday. What was it, third and 17? You got three fucking timeouts. You can't take them home with you, son. You call a timeout because you've been in that situation before and you've had a breakdown, which would happen in North Carolina. Did it, did he, does he take a timeout? Because he's called the defense again, isn't he? Takes no timeout, set up his defense. And they were on a little bit of a run. They had four consecutive plays of eight or more yards. Look it up. It's called disrupting that rhythm and getting you guys, getting your guys on the same goddamn page. You can't take everything away on a possession on that play. We all know this. 
but you can at least prepare yourself and take something that they want to do away. You're asking about how has he gotten better recruiting and how is he evolving? Can't fire him. Here's another thing that he did wrong. At the beginning of the game, who was matched up on the slot? Look at the film. He had Shaq on a linebacker, a linebacker on a wide receiver to start. Not Finley, not Finley, Shaq. Two consecutive passes, two consecutive passes. Look at it. To end the game, you have scored. He wasn't sure if he was going to go for two or not. Took him a second to figure. He's looking, he's looking, and the kid runs out there to kick the ball. He still wasn't sure. And he's going to go back to data to tell me, well, it's better to go to for two here because we might miss. What the fuck is that? You see that he's in over his head. The job he should have taken and should have stayed with up in Philly, right now that team's 5-1. and one. That was the perfect opportunity for him to grow with less pressure, with less stress, and to evolve and develop as a head coach. Leon Cersei made a great point. The jury's still out, and you can't keep hiring guys that don't have head coach experience that haven't had success. The job that Mario Cristobal did at FIU was unbelievable. Seriously just shared with everybody how he couldn't keep up with the recruiting. That program was the worst program in Division One football. How many years did it take Mario to get them to, to a bowl game and to win one, what, four? Yep, year four. Beat, I think Louisville, beat, Teddy, beat Louisville at Louisville with Teddy Bridgewater. Made him look horrific, took everything that he liked to do away. The guy is an alpha. Alphas win. Well, what he, what he is is a killer. He's a killer. Like, he, he, he um, you know, and I'm not going to disrespect Manny here and pit Manny against Mario. I mean, I'm not going to do that. But just in, in talking about Mario, Mario, Mario is a killer. And, you know, you can hire coordinators to run the X's and O's of a football team. Clemson is a great example of that. You can hire great coordinators to run the X's and O's. There aren't that many killers out there. And, you know, if you're going to compete with what you have to compete against now at Miami, um, you better have a killer. And if, if Manny Diaz is going to be successful as a head coach, it's going to be because he's a killer. And, you know, that, he's well, got to prove that he is. He's not a killer. You know what he is? He's an analytical guy. He's the guy that's a right hand for me as a head coach. He's not the alpha mm-hmm. because he can justify. Go through all of his – just go through all of his, his, his uh, press conferences, his weekly press conferences. He justifies everything that goes wrong. That's not – that's not being a head coach, man. He is a numbers guy. He's a he's a, pass, a a data guy. He's one of those guys. He can teach. He can coach his ass off. He's never been able to recruit with the shit. Well, we're gonna, you know we're going to see what happens here the next six weeks, and then as they finish off recruiting, and you know right now all you could do is just just pull for them, like you know. Well, pull, Gary, I've been I, listen. I've been pulling for this university since. Uh, 
I was riding my bike to the boys' club and then getting my ticket to go to the game for free. Okay? That's about 60 years ago, Al. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of seeing this crap. I told you, I direct message you, I told you, I'm not renewing my tickets. I'm done. This administration doesn't give a shit about football. They don't care. No, I don't and, think that's and, true. And the longer, if they care, I, they I, would. Who, who like you mean that. by administration? If you're talking about the president, yeah, he doesn't care. But like, but who, exactly who, who, who are you talking about? about? Like, you, you think Blake well, doesn't BOT, care? BOT doesn't care. BOT. The BOT, the, the the bulk of them probably couldn't care. I, I would agree with that. They're, they're running their companies. There's, there's the, the, you know, yeah. I mean, they, you know, yeah. I mean, they're you know, they're they're CEOs. Um, they're running their law firms. They're right. They're, yeah, they're they're not living and dying by what the football program does. No doubt about it. You know, they, and, and the only thing they don't no like is there. when the football program it doesn't succeed. Some people do get upset and start and start bothering them about it, and I'm sure they don't like it. But you're absolutely right; they don't back, care well, back the way the day, you're talking Gary, about. The truth is, back in the day, Gary, the BOT didn't like the way the brothers were acting. Let's be honest. The yeah, but but in terms of caring, like like I can assure you, Blake Blake cares. No, he does. He cares more about his ego than he cares about the program. No, because he cares. I, you cares. know, I think that no, he. No, no. I just don't know that he has a full feel for what's going on out there and what this program needs to be able to compete with it. Like I that's that's my question with Blake, but I don't question whether he wants to see the program win. When you care about your job as an athletic director, you put your bullshit aside with people that you've had issues with before. Because you've got to get to the destination that we all want to get to, which is to win. And he couldn't get past that bullshit with Mario. Mario all right, let's forget Mar- let's forget forget Mario for a minute. Let's say Mario doesn't exist, okay, for a minute. Who 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 do you think you should have talked to? I'll give you three names right off the bat that I I felt were just go ahead. the right guys because they understand the situation. Go ahead, do it. Go, go, Besides go. Mario. Go. I, I felt Butch deserved an interview. I, there's no doubt he deserved an interview. All right, but that let, let, let's let's acknowledge that that ship sailed four years ago when they hired Mark Richt. Okay, the, if you didn't hire Butch then, you're not you weren't going to hire him now. So so let's eliminate Butch too. So Mario and Butch are off to I the like side. I like the kid from Iowa State a lot. I like the kid from Iowa State a lot. Always have. Could he come to South Stand Florida and recruit? Guy. Could he come to South yes, Florida he and recruit? Yeah, he would hire the right guys. He's, he's All good. right, good. He's, he's, good. Who else you got? He's, he's, he has no business being in the, in the Big 12. That, that kid's sharp as, as can be. All I'm right, who else? Dark horse and the, whole, the dark, a dark horse in this whole thing that's impacted Division One football since he came in at Buffalo, Lance Lyle, would have been a great, a great person to bring into, an offensive guy, a guy who's recruited all over the country, a guy who has worked with people from South Florida before. I mean, he's got at least, what, 27 kids on his roster from Florida. Eight from South Florida. I mean, this guy, this this is a solid offensive guy who who can recruit. Another guy that's always impressed me, and yeah, he's older, but the guy coaches offense. The guy produces quarterback. The guy produces offensive weapons. Is the guy at Duke? I would have I would have talked to him at least get permission to go talk to him. And Coach Cutcliffe didn't work out at Ole Miss exactly the way he wanted to, but he didn't have enough say on that defense side of the ball when he was there, and he put his 
distrusting the guy who just wasn't good enough to go ahead and, and come up with game plans to attack the SEC correctly back in those days. I mean, these, you go with people who have proven themselves. Can you imagine David Cutcliffe here running the ship here? Yeah, I don't think he. I, mean, I, I don't think I think he's perfect at Duke. I don't think he's the right guy for here. All right, listen, I got uh, four more guys. I got to get on in the next fifteen minutes, so I'm going to give you one more minute. One more what else thing, you got? One more thing, Gary. One, one more thing I want to tell you. The offensive line. You talked about how 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 can I judge Butch Berry on the offensive line based on how bad how inexperienced this offensive line is. There are basic things in coaching that you see. Kids, either they, they get it or they don't or they're getting there. We've seen a guy in Navon Donaldson get worse. He's gotten worse. We're seeing a kid in Zion Nelson who's hit the freshman wall. I mean, every snap is like, you know, he – He's trying to hang on for dear life. That's what it looks like. Look at his technique. Look how high he comes up off the ball. He's almost leaning back and giving an edge to the guy before the ball gives a snap. He's already leaning back. He's set his body up to go backwards. I mean, so the little things that need to evolve here from Enos, some more zone blocking, which we saw a little bit more of that the other night, and he's got to continue to put the ball out as quickly as possible. And I think the longer he tries to continue these slow-developing plays, which have impacted us since week zero against Florida, the worse all those kids look and the less efficient we look. He's got to finally go ahead and accept what he has and work within those parameters. If it continues to go the opposite, tell Gary, it might be halftime on Saturday, and we've only scored three points. I mean, that, that's the type of team we have. And I'm telling you, Georgia Tech's running all man-to-man. Have you watched them play? It's all man-to-man. It, it's, it, yeah, it, I haven't watched them play, but, they, you know, Jeff Collins, is, he's a good defensive coach, no doubt. He just doesn't have the right is, athletes so. right now. Well, I, I'm telling you, we don't know what we have. We don't know what we're going to get. But we do know we don't have the guys, the right guy steering the ship. And that ain't going to change, buddy. So, yeah. A lot of people showed up Friday night. It was a great atmosphere. It was a big win. And at the end of the day, we did just enough to get by. But let me tell you, just enough to get by is not going to help you win a game at Pittsburgh in two weeks. Just enough to get by is not going to win you a game in Tallahassee. And just enough to get by is not going to beat Louisville here. Now, you mentioned Louisville scored 60-some-odd points, but they gave up 60-some-odd points as well. So there are no excuses there are no excuses not to be able in our home stadium to not put points on the board against those bastards. Yeah. All right, everything. Let's continue the conversation next week, man. Thank you for calling Will in. Do. Yeah. My pleasure. You got it. Bye-bye. All right, real quick, I want to blow through the questions on the message boards at canesport.com, and then we're going to go rapid fire. Uh, you four guys that are still on hold, stay there. Um, we're, we're going to get to you real quick here. Um, should there be any locker room issues if Manny chooses Jaron Williams over Nicozy Perry? Um, I don't think so. I don't think the players are playing favorites. Uh, I don't see why um, there would be locker room issues based on what quarterback uh, he picks. How can we have an offensive line this bad? How can Herbert, Campbell, Hillary not see the field over Nelson? Why is there not, why am I not feeling a sense of urgency in recruiting to address it? Um, I agree. 
it, it's a major fail that those kids that had already been in the program were not better than a true freshman coming in. Uh, major recruiting fail. And I agree with you on the sense of urgency in recruiting. Uh, I mean, Jalen Rivers, I think, is a very good prospect that just about anybody would want. Um, the other two guys look like projects to me, and I'm not sure that the current situation calls for projects. And uh, I am surprised uh, that they are not more aggressively going after the, the top offensive linemen around the country. Um, maybe they that'll change here down the stretch. Maybe – they find the JUCO that can come in right away and help, which I also don't think would be a terrible idea. Um, but, you know, right now I, I do not see a sense of urgency at the offensive line position that would seem uh, for the situation to be calling for. Um, let's see. The next question was on the same basic topic. Uh, so is the, the, the other one about JUCO OLs. Um, what do we think of Enos? So far as a coordinator, his play calling looks more creative, but execution is still lacking. Players are not making plays, at least not consistently. Um, what's up with the great first offensive series followed by lousy execution after? Um, all right. Well, for starters, when you have an O-line situation the way this one is, I'm not sure how an offensive coordinator looks great. You're taking too many negative plays. You're in too many bad down and distance situations. And I think when they got into a tough game on Friday against Virginia, I think you saw Dan Enos find the recipe for winning that particular ball game. And that was to not put Nicozy Perry in too many compromising situations where he might turn the ball over. Um, in terms of the great first series of games, I agree. He's done a great job of putting game plans together. Sometimes gets away from those game plans. But I didn't feel he did that in the Virginia game. You know, he, he came out with a game plan that was predicated on throwing those quick out passes to the receivers. And there were two other points in the game where he did come back to it. And that's why Miami won the game, in my opinion. And I thought that this past Friday night, even though they only had 250 yards of offense, which is not very impressive, that that might have been Dan Enos' best overall game as Miami's offensive coordinator, as crazy as it is to say that after a 250-yard night. What are the chances that Enos is the Miami offensive coordinator next season? He already seems burnt out at press conferences. His performances are in the bottom 10% of Power 5 football. Here's what I'll say. Dan Enos came here as the savior of the program, okay? That's the kind of pressure that he came here under. Blake James gave Manny Diaz $1.5 million, more than any, by far, Miami assistant coach had ever made to hire Dan Enos. Because if he didn't get Dan Enos, I don't know who the heck he would have gotten. You know, and, and this is the problem when you have a first-time head coach. They don't have a power network out there to call upon of people that will come work for them, you know, that don't think that they're better than him, even though he's got the, the keys to the head coach's office. So Miami put all its eggs in the Dan Enos basket. Let's be honest. We talked about it during the offseason. And um, he's coaching under enormous amount of pressure with no offensive line. And 
as much as he's made these two guys better at quarterback, he still doesn't have an established quarterback. We're sitting here in week six debating who should start. Okay? So not even close to an ideal situation. And, yeah, he did seem a little burnt out this week. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> do you blame it? Blame him? I mean, he's got a, he's, the outside world's looking at him putting up 250 yards of offense. But if he hadn't called that game the way he did on Friday night, he might not have, Miami might not have won. If Nikosi's out there throwing all kinds of crazy passes the way Jaron did against Virginia Tech, you don't think Miami's better than Virginia Tech? So, I mean, that game was given away with all those turnovers in the first quarter. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, will he be back? I think a lot depends on how the season ends. You know, I mean, if this thing doesn't finish strong here these last six weeks, I'm not sure he's going to want to be back. I mean, this guy is probably looks at himself as way too far along in his career to have his reputation and resume brought down by a by a program that's winning seven games or you know or or, or, or whatever, I just don't I don't know that that's going to work for him. So we'll see we'll see what happens. But uh, he's kind of in a no win situation. And then the next question was, if he does leave, would it be better for Manny to stack the offensive staff with proven recruiters? Um. I think it's too soon to go into specifics on, on individual staff members, but I've been pretty consistent in saying that I think recruiting needs to get better. All right. So we got about 10 minutes of show left, a little less. I got four guys <clears throat> that we need to get on here. So I'm going to ask you to talk quick. Let's go to the 404. You're on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? Doing good. How you doing? Who's this? It's Uki. Hey, Uki, what you got, man? Shoot. <laughs> All right, man. A couple of things. I'm going to try to make it quick. But um, first thing, you said something about taking – somebody needs to take uh, up underneath their wing and teach them how to, how to recruit. And I'm asking you, who is that person? Who is that person? Because there's a bunch of guys on the staff that need – Certain people to take them. Well, that's what I said. I said there's nobody to do that. There was there was nobody to do that, and that's why I think we're so, still sitting here four years into it talking about oh geez why isn't Mike Rumpf a better recruiter? He he should be a great recruiter. He's a he's, he, I, you you don't know him like I know him. Mike Rumpf's a great guy, man. But, Mike Rumpf should I be mean, able to walk into any to... living room into any living room and communicate with parents and family members and kids oh, yeah, and be not, successful. It's not. No, I understand it, but my point is it should be happening. Okay, there's a lot of things that should be happening, but it's not happening. And you keep, just like you keep saying, oh, Manny wants to win, but you can want – every coach that's been here, I'm pretty sure, wanted to win, Gary. The thing is, can you do it? Can you can you execute that? And, my, and it's, 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 back to, it's back to what 305 just said. Don't think that Manny's that type of guy. He's a he's a, he's he's a, he's a data guy like 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 three or five said. It's a difference between somebody who's going to come in here and make something happen and actually knows what they're doing, and somebody's trying to figure it out. You sit and watch Miami. You just look at our sideline. You just see a bunch of guys that just look like they just have no clue. And then back to Anos. You talking about Anos was the one to hang 
his resume on how this season goes on Miami. Who is Thanos? Who is he? Like actually, actually, what? Well, I mean, he's been a he's been a head coach. He he's been a head coach. I I know he didn't succeed, but he's been a head coach. He went to Arkansas as an offensive coordinator, and then he went to Bama. He he was part of a team that went to the national championship game as the quarterbacks coach of Bama, working with probably the two best quarterbacks in college football right now. He attaches his success to Alabama, and that's it. You take away that Alabama resume, then what has he done? Nothing. He's average at Wisconsin. He was, he was average at, at Central Michigan or wherever the hell he was at. He's, he's average. He's okay, but, but my point, Miami. Uki, is that he, before he came to Miami, he was well-positioned. Would you, would, would, okay, Gary, where is he going to go? Would you agree with that? Dan Enos is. Who, well, Georgia would have taken Dan him. Enos? You, you sure about that? I'm positive about, about that. that? Everybody yeah. He his decision was Georgia or Miami, and he chose Miami. Okay. I don't know that Georgia okay. was going to pay him one point five. That might add something okay. to do with it. Okay. All right. And and and, and he was going to be the coordinator at Bama too, right? And he just decided. Oh, no, uh, that is absolutely because... totally not true. That that's a that's a total totally false narrative that some people spread. You was pushing you was pushing that narrative at the beginning. Not me. Absolutely not. I absolutely was not the person doing that because I had sources at Bama that told me that was absolutely not true, Uki. So you didn't hear that from me. You were pushing that narrative. You're wrong. Move on. You're wrong. I'm telling you, you're wrong. I had sources at Bama. That told me okay. that he was not going to get the, the the offensive coordinator job up there. Okay, that's well, why he walked know. out. You understand that he walked out, right, Uki? I know that he walked out because he was Okay, well, would he have walked team. out if he was getting the offensive coordinator job? They had a staff meeting, and Nick was not. looking around. Where's Dan? Of course, of course Dan was not. in and Miami. He was not going to get the OC job, and he was not going to get the OC job at Georgia either. Okay, he was not going to get the OC job at Georgia either. Georgia, why Georgia wanted him, Uki. Before they okay. gave it to Coley, well, okay. George, they wanted let's, let's it. Keep it okay? Let's keep it real. Let's Come on, we don't have time to argue. Case. I'm telling you the truth. Okay, I got three minutes of show left, so you're about out of time. But I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm telling you what really happened. All right, Uki's gone. Let's go to the 318. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's going on, Gary? I haven't seen you. You know, Fort City Kane. Uh, hey, what's up, Fort City? You know, and not much. It's been a rough season, rough, uh, rough, just rough period. But. You know, it goes back down to this football line of scrimmage game. It's a line of scrimmage game. And if you cannot handle the line of scrimmage, which we can't right now, then we're going to have the problems we have. And I think that, you know, the, until that offensive line is uh, remedied, then uh, we're going to have it. And I, like you was talking about with recruiting and stuff like that, I think that, I think that some of the time coaches nowadays get real lazy, in, in, in my opinion. In my opinion, they get lazy because they go after a lot of these high-name guys, which they should. Some guys, they deserve the prestige. They deserve the attention that they get. But some of the time, I think in the past, what I recruited is that we haven't managed our time with certain athletes. And when you get down to the end, that a lot of those guys feel brushed off by the school. That's, that's hurt our recruiting, too, because when you go and spend, you know, the bulk of your time, on guys who just playing games with you, then when you get down to really trying to get somebody on that on that roster, 
that you really need, you often time because the, the uh, athlete has felt disrespected, then they don't want to come here. Uh, but when I was looking at the game, I seen a very intense team, you know, but I think that everybody's talking about the offensive line that needs to be addressed, and it absolutely does. But that defensive backfield needs to be addressed too. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. serious issue right there because on on some because those guys out there, those two receivers uh, from Virginia, were just kind of doing in some ways what they want to do, and I think that for all of those years of missing on those high name guys in that in that defensive backfield that is hurt and things like that, and I think that that that's an issue too. But the main thing I think uh, with our offensive line is you got to get some continuity. You got to get some guys who got some snaps. And some of the time, I just think that in ways that even Zion Nelson, when you throw them in that game, you arrest their development because basically you're not really developing them for the future. You're just trying to make it through the day. And when you put a guy out there, I mean, I mean, he might be better than what you what you maybe have out there. But you know, it's 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 a whole lot of recruiting misses. And that guy who came from, uh, I can't remember the name of the school up north that didn't produce. I mean, that didn't uh, uh, put, uh, that you couldn't put on the field. That hurt too. So it's a whole lot of things that hurt us. But I think, you know, we just got to hold on to the end of this year and just try to make sure that we can win some of these games that, you know, win, beat Florida State and win out the rest of this, the rest of this uh, schedule and just get ourselves to a new game because, Really, man, we just uh kind of floating on life support right now. And that's all I got. I want you to have, I miss you this season, and I'll be calling back in. Man, I want. All right, I, man. I, I like the work you're doing, and I just want you to have a blessed night. All right, Port City. Thanks for calling in. All right, guys. I know we got a, a couple guys that haven't got on tonight, and I apologize. Um, call in earlier n- next week, and 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 uh, hopefully we'll get you on then. In fact, I'm gonna make a note of your of your numbers right now and I'll be on the lookout for you next week. I really apologize. We're just out of time um for tonight. I want to thank the great Leon Searcy for coming on the show. Great, great segment. If you if you missed it, you came in late, make sure you listen to the podcast. Leon gave us a ton of great insight um into all kinds of things. I thought it was great. Um I want to thank um, Sicilian Oven once again for sponsoring. Uh, this week would be a great week after the game at Hard Rock to go try Sicilian Oven. you got two locations that are near the stadium, uh, the Fountains Complex off University Drive in Plantation, the Aventura location at 205th in Biscayne, both great places to go from the stadium. If you live in other parts of town, you got locations in Lighthouse Point at the shops at Beacon Light. You've got a location in Coral Springs on Sample Road and 101st, Boca Raton location, and one on Oakland Park Boulevard just west of Bayview in Fort Lauderdale. So we got Georgia Tech this Saturday at the Rock, a game that the Hurricanes should be able to comfortably win. We'll see what happens. Nothing has come easy so far this season. And then we'll be back next Tuesday night at 8 to talk some more. So I, I thank everybody for listening tonight. For those going to the game, I'll see you at the stadium Saturday. And everybody else, I'll see you next Tuesday. Good night, everybody.